of UFO Know, the show that separates science fact from science fiction the best that we can. Your break from the propaganda, the bad news, the treasonous politicians. Time to get elevated with me, dude named Ben Stoner from the LC Valley, Hell's Canyon area. I'm in the stratosphere, baby, and uh, it's clear skies. With me is Mr. C. Hello, hello. What's up? <laughs> so we're a little late today on the live yep. uh, because <laughs> I forgot to hit the button. So what you didn't see was we already did 10 minutes of the show doing the whole, hey, welcome to the show, <laughs> all that bullshit. And, <laughs> and then Mark goes, hey, uh, we're not live. And I'm all, fuck. <laughs> Oh, so funny. It was a glitch in the Matrix. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) We're still here. (laughs) Oh, shit, man. That's how it goes. Anyways, but otherwise, otherwise, for those of you, everybody, really, you didn't miss a beat. You didn't miss nothing. So, uh, (laughs) oh, man, so funny. All right. So, anyways, let's get on with it. So, here's what we're talking about today. We are talking about uh, the idea that uh, guardians... Aliens, civilizations, are they are they a group of aliens? Are they single aliens? Is there evidence that back in ancient times that there was uh, genetic manipulation on the part of aliens? Uh, 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 Mr. C and I were talking about, uh, before we even went live, we were talking about... Um, before we went live the second time, I should say <laughs> uh, that what we were talking about is so we were talking about uh, Genesis one. You know, this uh, we're we're gonna run a lot of lines through religion. You know, religious texts, as in the Bible, ancient texts, as in Sumerian, Mayan, things like that, ancient cultures that all reference similar things, abduction theories that mention what's called guardians. Again, the the idea being are the guardians the Galactic Federation? Are they a a single race that's coming back, coming down to earth to protect humanity? Is it, is it, uh, as we said in this Genesis, Genesis one verse is let us make man in our image. I never knew that either. I thought it was let. Well, that's the whole argument is even in, uh, in church as a kid, you know, I grew up very religious, which is funny because I, you know, how I turned out (laughs) anyways, but, um, the, the idea was always, who is he talking to, you know, is, and, and what, what general thinking is within these religious groups and the beliefs is that he, God in referencing us and our is speaking to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus, right? And that Jesus later came down as God's son, that whole idea. But one of my favorite theories posed by ancient astronaut theorists, uh, posed by 
uh, a lot of people, Eric Van Danigan, this whole idea of ancient civilizations that were seeded with, uh, with alien DNA is that the idea is, well, could God, the idea of God, us have been beings. I mean, what is God to a race, a creator, mm. right? So if you have an alien race, even just three of them, they get together and say, hey, let's make a new species in our image. How much fun would that be? <laughs> and then they go, but they go to a planet where there's not much going on. Some primates here and there, maybe even worse than primates. As I've said before, turn slug into Doug. <laughs> Doug is a good name. <laughs> yes. So, so is it that, is it something like that? Or is it, uh, uh, you know, I mean, that's the idea is, uh, it, you know, the Bible is full of metaphors. So why do we believe, why do people believe that the Garden of Eden was a literal garden with two naked people in it? It's kind of like Prometheus, yeah. right? Kind of, yeah. Except I don't think, I, I, I want to believe that there was a, a cool lab Mm-hmm. You know, instead of like some really pale, muscly, you know, like like the most albino Channing Tatum you've ever seen going to a cliff and drinking some sludge and falling apart. And that's us. Yeah. You know, I wonder what part got his dick tip. <laughs> that's definitely Randall. Randall's yeah. the dick tip for sure of the species. <laughs> but um that's what I like to believe is like that it was an actual that the Garden of Eden metaphorically, what is a Garden of Eden, right? We think of it as the the most ideal place. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we use it for. Well, what if the most ideal place was the most ideal place to create a new species, genetically modify animals and DNA and whatever else they were using as in a lab? Right. We were also talking before the show if like cannabis, mm-hmm. when you grow cannabis, can you're growing it naturally, but what's the garden of Eden in growing cannabis? It's the perfect lights with the perfect light spectrum and spiked soil with all the nutrients that plants ever going to need, you know, supernatural environment. And that plant will just flourish. Mm-hmm. So the, it's the garden of Eden for that plant. So that's the premise. And then what we're going to be doing is we're going to talk about an abduction counter, like one specifically that mentions the guardians and that in that meaning, they are talking about a guardian race of aliens potentially. And again, tie it in with other things and man, we're going to go on a journey. So let's begin with, first of all, Sharing is caring, so spread us like gossip. All the links are in the show notes, how to support the podcast. We love you all. Thanks for joining. Okay, so let's go with, of course, the people that talk about the ancient astronaut theory. I know who you know (laughs) that I'm talking about. We're talking about the fantastic ancient aliens people. We've got some clips about the idea of this. And first, it starts out with, let me prep it by saying, that first they're going to talk about the idea that it's not new. It's not a new concept that species uh, mate, mm-hmm. right? That other species have come and specifically going back to our early ancestors as in Neanderthals, 
the idea that we mated with more involved Neanderthals. Yeah, what happened to them anyways? Right? What happened to them? <laughs> they were probably wiped out, yeah. you know, due to a better version of humanity coming forward. But here we go. Ancient aliens talking about DNA hybridization, two-parter clip. Here we go. Leipzig, Germany, 2010. Biologists led by Svante Pombo of the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology make a stunning announcement. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> that early humans not only coexisted on Earth with other more primitive hominids, they also mated with them but even more astonishing was their finding that another as yet unidentified species may also be represented in human dna up until now most people have been familiar with the typical dna model of human evolution in which you have a very nicely defined progression from previous types of human or hominid life up to anatomically modern humans. All right. So I don't always agree with what David Wilcox says, right? He said some out there shit. He does some out there shit. He disappeared for a while. All right. <laughs> but regardless, it's the theory and more than people than just David Wilcock have talked about the ancient astronaut theory and the idea that there was interbreeding with early humanity and that the idea that potentially there is this missing link that could point to an intervention of some kind of genetic manipulation. Okay. A lot more people than him. So take it for what you will. As you all know, I'm very skeptical of all these people, but it's the theory that matters not necessarily who's saying it. And many, many, many people oppose this theory. So it's not his. That's not true anymore. And what we're seeing is evidence that there could have been interbreeding with what the actual mainstream media is calling mystery species of humans. An anthropologist from the University of Wisconsin, Dr. John Hawks, did a comprehensive analysis of human DNA going back for many thousands of years. And what he found was astonishing. If you look at the DNA from someone in 3000 BC, and you compare that to the DNA of someone alive today, it has changed by 7%. Mapping the human genome, Dr. Hawks found that in the past 5,000 years, our DNA has evolved at a rate 100 times greater than any previous 5,000 year period in our history. So what happened in the last 5,000 years that altered the structure of human DNA by 7%? Is it possible? And again, that is a very good question and one that is still not answered. Keep that in mind. You know, it's not that somebody came along and said, oh, no, that's just wrong. <laughs> that's not the case. We have explanations for that. No, there is no, still no explanation. There's a lot of concepts and ideas that a lot of people blow off, especially in the mainstream, saying that couldn't have been. But one of the most popular theories is that uh, there were survivors from the first cataclysms to hit Earth early, early on in, in humanity's history that were far more advanced than we give them credit for and or that we have evidence for, I would say, 
hintings of evidence and that they survived group of them survived and made it back to go around teaching the new emerging hunting gather hunter gatherers agriculture and astronomy and science and mathematics and all these things you know so is that possible or is it more on the alien side of it possible that extraterrestrial humans interbred with us sometime in the last 5,000 years and that could account for these monumental changes in the structure of human DNA could it be that our ancestors are not only hominids who lived here on Earth, but also beings from beyond our world? Ancient astronaut theorists claim that evidence of this can be found in stories throughout history that depict humans mating with gods. And again, it's not just one text. It's not like one chapter in the Bible references something kind of like this. You have cultures all over the world separated by thousands of years in some cases, all telling very similar stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's like the Nephilim mating with human women. Yeah, exactly. You know, the giants and stuff like That's that. That's right. Yep. Throughout world cultures and mythologies, this idea of otherworldly beings, gods, supernatural beings, demons, having sex with humans is very, very common. The way that we interpret that experience depends on the cultural and religious factors around us. We can read about these accounts of all sorts of weird beings who had their way with humans. Imagine you live in the ancient world and a demon gargoyle flying like thing named Scott. (laughs) Scott. Is flying your way with a heart on. <laughs> what do you do? Do you do the the old bear tactic and pretend like you're dead and hope he's not a necrophiliac? <laughs> what do you do? That, imagine. Let's just imagine for a moment that these stories are not myth. Mm-hmm. That there were actual, like godlike beings coming down from the heavens. And having sex with people. Depends on your culture. Crazy, dude. You know? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's just a crazy concept to even think about. You know, we kind of like, it's so abstract. We're like, yeah, that's weird. But like, imagine (laughs) that. Imagine like, you know, like people nowadays, they're like, you know, the real fear of rape is there. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, literally. (laughs) You're talking about demigods flying around just molesting people. Anyways, let's carry (laughs) on. to do is to approach these stories and look at them from a modern perspective to eliminate the always suggested symbolism and look at these events for what they potentially really were encounters with extraterrestrials so is that what we're talking about is that what we're talking about in this you know is something like that that's that's the main premise of what we're going to talk about tonight and we're going to lay it you know out in many different ways but first i want to talk about this ufo case that mentions because again despite it being called many names 
right? Again, going back to the biblical reference of God referencing us and our, okay? So we don't know who or what it is. So you can call it the Guardians. You can call it the Galactic Federation. You can call it God. You can call it whatever you want. But the theory, the premise is the same. Some kind of being or multiple beings manipulated genetics. You could say it was a rib from Adam, whatever. I don't know. Magic, magical rib. Uh, or was it more? So there's there's this great case um, back in 1985 of an alien abduction case from the UK that, again, there were references to the Guardians or Watchers. And the Watchers comes from the Book of Enoch, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so anyway, so let's get into the story and then we'll kind of go more into the meaning behind all of this. So, and, and again, look, I mean, you know how skeptical I am. I'm very skeptical. Okay. There are going to be many, many numerous things that come up in this case that I'm going to go, yeah, I don't know, you know, which is, but I think it's worth going over. And there's a lot of cases where people talk about the guardians and things like that. But I, I like this one. So we're going over it. All right. So anyway, uh, September 15th, 1985, McMurray family, David, Susan, their kids, Paul and Katie, they're driving back from Farnborough, Hempshire, passing through Bagshot Heath. I love <laughs> British names. Bagshot. <laughs> I love British names for towns, dude. Oh, let's turn left on Bagathery Cleary. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's so, I just, it's so funny. Anyways, they end up encountering, again, according to the claims, uh, they end up encountering a large saucer-shaped spacecraft hovering over the road, described by David later in a publication called the Sunday Mirror on September 29th. So what is that? 14 days later? Yeah. Uh, the craft about which no big deal there, but either way, he says it's 50 feet long, bright lights departed quickly, leaving the family shaken. After that, they end up having a second UFO encounter, David and Susan. I don't think it included the kids the second time. Yeah. It doesn't look like it. Either way, uh, they end up encountering a second, what they say is identical, craft while driving the craft moved alongside their car stopped when david stopped uh nearby a new housing estate that he was looking at i guess uh and there oh the kids were they were asleep in the back seat uh susan was in the passenger seat david got out noticed the ufo hovering over the trees over the road or across the road from him and he felt as though it was watching him. Now, that is something that I'm very skeptical of because now we are assuming intent mm-hmm. onto an object that, one, we can't identify. Two, we have no idea who's actually piloting. Therefore, we cannot, right, we cannot assume what this thing is thinking. Yeah, unless it was moving so towards you or something, right? If I'm if I see a craft that's mimicking my movements, whether it means to or not, 
I'm going to think it's watching me, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it is. You know what I mean? So anyways, Mm -hmm. here's a humming noise like an electric sewing machine Mm -hmm. and saw. What do you think the lights were colored? Uh, Red and green. Red and green. (laughs) Red and green. Always like Christmas. Why do aliens need red and green running lights, people? Why? You think the cosmos are just crowded with people that are running into each other, so they need running lights? What are running lights for? It's all that space junk in the it's atmosphere. All the space junk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, anyways, so Susan and David, they end up uh, watching this thing for about a minute, and then it disappears. They report it to the police afterwards. Then the next day, there's another person, Lynn Brooks in Workingham, who saw a similar object, as she said, uh, hovering for five minutes like it was watching her. Again, assuming intent. In the following days, David noticed a time gap. Okay, so here's where things start to get weird. So first, he has a weird sighting. Can't say what it is. So far, up to this point, I believe we could argue that it is a terrestrial craft. Mm-hmm. It's got red and green it's lights. It's not showcasing. It had a humming noise. It had running lights. It was a metallic solid object. I'm thinking it could be terrestrial. It could be alien, but it could be terrestrial. Now, he's got this time gap, okay? So he can't account for it, and he starts suspecting, suspecting telepathic communication with the craft's occupants. Again, assuming it's manned at all. The next morning, Jesus, the next morning, that <laughs> scared the fuck out of me. Uh, uh, the next morning, Susan and David wake up around 9.30 a.m. Their children, usually wake by six, still asleep. David goes out to his car, battery's dead. Hmm. Nearby garage, so I'm assuming he lives by a uh, car place a garage mechanic or something yeah there's the word i'm retarded (laughs) anyways uh get a jump started um and then he starts to get all these weird unusual incidents as he says he starts to experience severe headaches leading to a hospital test that show normal blood pressure but he was still unwell uh dizziness shaky legs stomach hollowness stomach hollowness what does that mean like Stomach hollowness. Seems like you're hungry. Hold on. I got to ask <laughs> ChatGPT. Yeah, what does that mean? What is stomach hollowness? I'm assuming it's like, I mean, do you feel hungry all the time? The sensation of stomach hollowness typically refers to a feeling of emptiness or mm. gnawing in the stomach. Hmm. This sensation is often associated with hungry, but it, uh, hunger, but it can also be caused by other factors as in hunger, gastric ulcers, stress, anxiety. That's what yeah. I would imagine, stress and anxiety. Digestive issues, hypoglycemia, medications, lifestyle factors. So lifestyle factors and stress and anxiety. Could be doing it to himself. Yeah. Memory lapses, disturbed sleep, and a temporary red rash on his side. So then there's these local residents that start reporting strange humming noises dismissed as military activity initially. But the timing, 3 a.m., 
made it unlikely. Now, why is that? Do you think the military doesn't do exercises at 3 a.m.? That's when all the weird stuff happens. It's true. You know. But in this case, it could easily be that there's some... I mean, look, I mean, if we're going to, people say all the time, well, now you're reaching. Yeah. When you say, well, a military exercise could be going on at 3M. I'm reaching, but you're <laughs> saying it's extraterrestrials. I'm reaching. No. We, so, did, we did night missions. So 3M is not, not so, plausible. No, at all. Not, I mean, yeah. it's, it happens. Yeah. All right. So anyways, I mean, assuming we, we don't know what it is. That's what I'm getting at. We don't know what it is. So anyways, uh, they say that there were several more UFO sightings, including one the previous year that interacted with power lines, causing air flashes and dim house lights in the vicinity. Now, again, I think I first think is that's a group of people that start hearing a report, numerous reports about crafts. And sightings. And now other people, they hear a humming noise. What are they attributed to? The craft. Right? Yeah, you think that it could be electric. Uh, it's a social contagion. Well, yeah, you think it could be electrogravitic uh, propulsion? That could be the power lines humming. Yeah. Then they had outages. Mm -hmm. It could be the power lines humming. That cause a power outage, they said, causing air flashes. What's air flashes? Could be um, transformers blowing. Yeah. Yep. And dimmed house lights in the vicinity. Dude, that's a power outage. That is a power outage, yeah. And the power lines could have been humming. But because ha people, somebody has a report, it can't possibly be power lines. It has to be aliens. I'm just saying it might not be power lines. It could be aliens. But it could be power lines. So then, November 85, there's some investigators. They come and they revisit, apparently. Apparently, he had he had visited them at one point, but they come back. They Who is, at this point, continuing to suffer from all of these effects that he's been going through. Initially, the rash that was on his right side went away, but then a similar one came back on his left side. He had, <laughs> here's what's weird. He did a... Uh, do you do you remember the movie Phenomenon? Mm -hmm. You know what? Uh, I don't know if you know. I should try and look it up. Um, the uh, there was a Sesame Street puppets thing where they did Manamana. No, Manamana. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I don't know who started it, but I remember as a kid mm -hmm. that going around where that when that movie came out, somebody went. The phenomenon. <laughs> Anyways, that always goes through my head every time I hear phenomena. <laughs> every time. Every time. So anyways, so um, now he starts speaking of all that. He starts to understand, as he says, a sudden understanding of mechanical functions and procedures of electrical devices, including his car's engine system, is what it says. Let me bring up the point that those are incredibly vague things to say. Mm -hmm. I have a sudden understanding of mechanical functions. <laughs> of what? 
a battery, a lighter, a car, a jet, like that varies. What does that mean? Okay, so then, and procedures of electrical devices. What does that mean? Like, you memorized a manual for a toaster? Yeah, it's like... Or what? And then you have including (laughs) his car's engine system. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously, I'm picking on this. But still, we got to think, like, how vague is that? You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because this is a while later, too. It's a while later. So, continues on, continues on. Is anybody pushing him on this? I don't know. Is anybody like, well, tell me some of this electrical device procedures that you know. Tell me some of this car's engine system. Was he was he doing demos of this? Was he just saying he could? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm curious about. All right. So then, since that night, the 15th of September, now we're in November, he has been hearing a mysterious message in his head that says Epsilon 44L dash 47L. And himself and researchers didn't know what that meant. Again, it's 85. We know a lot more now than we did then. But what was that? So there's this UFO researcher, Gordon Creighton, who criticized the original uh, magazine, the Sunday Mirror, for how it handled the UFO incident, suggesting that it was covering up this whole thing, like doing a cover-up for it. Because the newspaper apparently used content from this Omar Fowler article in Flying Saucer Review, altering it to exclude their name and then i believe putting putting his name into it the, you, know, this, you know what uh, epsilon means right well i think it's a star system right well epsilon is actually it's a greek part of the greek oh, letters that's right so epsilon actually means to create the Del, uh, delphic uh, epsilon and worship the sun god really yes that's what epsilon the meaning of that is from the ancient greek letter system Well, here we go. So Creighton claimed, again, the UFO researcher, was claiming that this was an example of how the efforts to inform the public about UFOs were being obstructed and that this apparently there was a lack of response to the letters from interested people from Britain And that there was difficulties in advertising for people that were witnesses to this, wanting to come forward and all this. Um, So he goes on to say all this stuff about, you know, UFO journalists and how there's this, you know, suppression and all this stuff. That's when, uh, again, we're in, what are we in, 85? Yeah, it was 85. Yeah, he was suggesting that the eventually the internet again he's coming at this from later on but the internet bridged a gap between the public and ufo researchers but here's where it gets interesting so all that's kind of later on i i i unfortunately i put that in the wrong order but 
what I'm getting at is like they later on people were able to look find this epsilon 44 or uh yeah 44l thing. Either way, David McMurray, here's where he gets really hairy, okay? My favorite. He ends up, what do you think he does? He's got missing time. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know what happened. He's trying to find answers. What do you think he does next, Mark? So he's got missing time. Yeah. I mean, what's the general step that people take? Well, they, they my, usually make up things for that lost well, time. But, but they get hypnotically regressed. Yes, yes regression. Yep. So that's exactly what happened is he ended up going to this Dr. Leonard Wilder. Uh, in Stanmore, London, in 86, and he had Fowler and Creighton. So keep in mind that you have Fowler, who is the journalist involved in the story, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, Creighton, who is a UFO investigator. The first thing that comes to mind is, I think, Omar has every reason to make this story into something bigger for sales yeah. to, to provide a big story. Could be. Creighton has motive for wanting this case to be exactly what David thinks it is because he's a researcher and that could bump his career up. So keep that in mind, whether that's happening or not. Now, I am assuming intent on these two people, but hey, so is everybody else. <laughs> so I'm allowed to. So anyways, during the session, Omar Fowler saw a, a noticed that there was a tense atmosphere around David when he was uh, reliving this case his experience under hypnosis. Right. Mm. And that's when he first mentioned the guardians um, that again, pops up in UFO studies. It pops up in ancient texts. It pops up in myths, but two weeks after this session. So January 26th, 86, David is driving his family again. It's always, always, always driving. They're driving. Yeah. <laughs> it's always driving. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, I could. Lots of road trips. Dude, crazy, man. The car. What is it about the cars? I don't know. Uh, he started to experience severe pain uh, near the site of where they originally saw the craft. So he stops the car due to the pain and which eventually kind of subsides. And then he ends up driving home. But now he's in a daze. And he urgently wrote down a message that he received during the pain. Hmm. But the message was in an unfamiliar handwriting and style. And they couldn't understand what it said. It's like automatic writing. Automatic writing. That's right. So both him and his wife couldn't understand it. However, of course, under hypnotic regression now he was able to translate the message so here's before i get into what the message said let's just recap a little bit here about what could be going on with this translation right 
So it, has there been any leading up to this point by the witness, by the hypnosis or hypnotist to the witness? We don't know. There's no video of it. I mean, this, you know, this is a very personal case where even I think his wife isn't. I mean, there's not much about his wife experiencing all this. His yeah, why kids, does she not? Why does she it, not feel anything? His kids didn't experience any of this. Mm-hmm. So why is it just David? And then on top of that, why is it always under hypnosis that these people, all of a sudden, the truth emerges? Now, you could say, well, because they're unlocking these memories. Or you could say they're building a story under hypnosis. I mean, it's very easy to argue that. Either way, here's what they translated the message to be. Epsilon, from the 12th quadrant, guardians of planets, has observed Earth's minimal development until the early 19th century. Key individuals appeared on Earth around 1900, with developments increasing by 50%. Earth is warlike, which is intolerable and lacks unity under one supreme ruler. Propaganda! Yes, say what? (laughs) Continued observation and guidance for these key individuals are planned with a recommendation to reassess Earth's advancement and continue the current 50% development rate. Hmm. And then what's really weird is he signed it as ASMIS. A-S-M-I-Z. And I tried to look if that was like a God name, a Mm -hmm. demon. I couldn't find much as far as like what that name meant. Is it Asmis? How do you spell it? A-S-M-I-Z. Sound like Asmodeus. That's a demon. But Asmis? Asmis. And again, I couldn't find much. Uh... But the idea that they believe that uh, David and Susan and the UFO researcher, Creighton, I believe is his name, they believe that this message aligns with ancient tales of watchers and that they believe has something to do with a supreme ruler, potentially symbolizing the universe itself rather than a deity. I love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. I love the idea that the universe itself is God, not as in a dude with in the clouds. Well, that's what I talked about in my thesis. I think it's the original consciousness. Dude, I need to come up with a jingle for your thesis. <laughs> Mark's thesis! Because, <laughs> I mean, why would a higher being be just a one of us? Yeah. I mean, we have a conscious. If you look at an animal, they don't look at themselves in the mirror the yeah. same way, right? Yep. That's right. self-actualization. No sense of self is yes. the idea. Yeah. But is that real? I mean, we don't, we can't understand. I mean, of course, as we're perceiving them, mm-hmm. that's what we think, but we're not them. We're yeah, not we in know. their brains. We don't understand consciousness in ourselves, mm-hmm. let alone other beings. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, 
I, I love the, I I've said this numerous times. I love the idea that one God is the cosmos. Mm-hmm. The cosmos is God. The universe is an all knowing thing that, and we're just the mole on the ass. <laughs> but, but also on top of that is, is the idea that like, our consciousness goes there mm-hmm. like the cloud, you know, like, you know, everybody knows the cloud, the cloud, as far as data storage, what is it? Where are you really sending it? You know, it, it's, it's this thing, this ever expanding uh, cloud that, that holds data. I, I remember a little side story. So my dad growing up 87, my dad knows this guy named Bill Mitchell. And I'm going to say his name because he's dead now. <laughs> so who gives a fuck? <laughs> and it wasn't anything crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But anyways, either way, my dad knows this guy, Bill Mitchell. And in 87, this guy is telling my dad about what he called is the bubble chip. And he said, oh, man, there's this new chip that's being developed. That's they're calling the bubble. And it expands in storage. So it just, the more you put in there, the bigger it gets. And dude, he was describing the cloud <laughs> in 1987. It's crazy. So anyways, uh, that's what I like to think of as the universe as well, is that, you know, people call it the Akashic records, you know, whatever, something that we can t- tap into, you know, but there is a place out there. Maybe it is the cosmos. Maybe it is the universe that houses all consciousness as well. And that's where we go. And like ebb and flow, we dip in and out of it. And so anyway, so I, I love that idea. But during this hypnotic regression session with uh, McMurray and his wife, his wife wasn't in the session, but she was there witness um, the, uh, the, again, Creighton, the researcher, and then Fowler, the journalist McMurray referenced his abductors as the guardians from Epsilon. And they say possibly Epsilon Aridani coordinates 44 L 47 L. I wonder if you can find that on a star chart. Well, let's see. Because there's like Google Star Map, right? Yeah. Epsilon Eridani. And then the uh, Google Sky. 44L <clears throat> by 47L. This would be crazy if it really, because I, I should have done this earlier. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, wait. Hold on. Epsilon Eridani, Latinized by Eridani, proper name Ran, is a star in the southern constellation of Eridanus. Hmm. And it's... Uh, according to Psy News, it is remarkably similar to our own. Interesting. 
So either way, he claimed to receive information from these guardians during this days. So that's who he believes was channeling through him when he did that automatic writing is that it was the guardians it, during this channeling or automatic writing that he, uh, in fact, that's something that Aleister Crowley claimed to be able to do. Oh, that's right. Huh? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people. You remember Lisa Thompson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talked about star language. Yep, and guardians and like a like a a, a a pig Latin sign language. Mm-hmm. You know, like who knows, man? Um, and Epsilon is alleged to be the home planet of these beings, known as the guardians of planets that have been monitoring Earth since 12 BC. And again, this all goes back to what this guy, David McMurray, is claiming he was channeled. This information is coming through him. So that these beings, guardians of planets, monitoring Earth since 12 BC, and that human development was almost non-existent until the early 19th century, I don't understand that. I mean, do we not have records going back to early 19th century of human development? I mean, I I understand what they're saying as far as like technologically. Mm -hmm. Maybe is that what they mean? Like technologically, you know, that they're the development that they mean isn't like us developing as a species, but us developing technology. Well, there's a weird gap in there, too, because like the mud flood and yeah, all the Tartaria, yeah. it's like that early yeah. or late 1900s. That's you know? very true. That's very true. So he says that there were, again, that they were, they were key people from Epsilon that are on Earth to monitor humans. And make sure that this development, whatever that is, takes place. Like evolution or something? Maybe. It's like star again, seeds, but man. Again, it's early 19th century is when they're saying. Huh. So they're saying that even though they've been monitoring Earth since 12 BC, according to the claims, human development was almost non-existent until the early 19th century, but has increased by 50% since attributed to these key people from Epsilon. So around the beginning of the 19th century, apparently these key people, from what I'm gathering from this, these key people started influencing humanity in the early 19th century that caused an increase of 50% development in humans. Hmm. Now, this is what's interesting, okay? Is that, of course, they say that war's not tolerated by these beings, blah, 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 blah. But it's like all of these beings are are causing war in order to get these things. (laughs) I mean, all of these texts... (laughs) 
over resources. Ancient texts talk about these big wars on Earth, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Uh, the idea of the what, Mata uh, Matahabra or whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about. Where they talk about the flying. Uh, the Vermanas. Like, like nukes, like yeah, India. and that's the text it came from was yeah. something like the Mahabharata. Yeah, the Bhagavada. There you yep. go. Sure, <laughs> whatever. Anyways, but either way, talking about nukes, mm-hmm. all these things. So now he then says that war's not tolerated, and that a common theme of alien abductions and all this is this idea. That, hey, we don't want you warring anymore. We don't want you using nukes anymore. We want you to be nice to the trees. <laughs> you know, what reason, though? I'm I'm far more skeptical of something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, he, you know, the, the, there's this idea, this case of Sidney Patrick to kind of go along with this in January of 1965 that claims to have met an entity named Zeno, meaning stranger in Greek who spoke of a supreme deity. And either way. Okay. So that kind of ties in with back into, you know, this supreme ruler of some kind. Mm. Let's go back to the idea of who's influencing this. Who are these key people, right? Here's what's interesting. There is a lot of influence or a lot of ties in with beliefs of the supreme ruler in Masonic rituals, Masonic beliefs, right? Yeah. So I that kind of, you know, you're I think you're a little bit more fluent in the whole Masonic stuff than I am. Probably more uh, than I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but what here's what gets me is that I don't know a lot about it. So I, you know, my thing is like, well, I looked up some clips, mm-hmm. one specifically, about kind of the general idea and help me fill in the blanks here. Okay. Wherever this clip falls short, help mm-hmm. me line it. But I thought this was pretty interesting about a basic idea of what the Freemasons really believe. Cause everybody thinks the same kind of thing. Oh, they're happy go lucky old guys <laughs> that spank each other's asses <laughs> in a Grange hall every once in a while, but no, it goes back a lot further than that. So here's a little clip um, about what do Freemasons actually believe <laughs> they tell. So what's the truth? According to the Straight Dope, the group that eventually came to be known as the Freemasons likely began as a trade guild. At the time, the secrecy that governed the society's existence was likely at least partially due to the need to keep outsiders from learning valuable trade skills, masonry specifically. But there was also a religious aspect as well. The Freemasons allowed anyone to join as long as they believed in God, regardless of their specific religious beliefs. And that was way too inclusive for the Catholic Church. This was centuries ago, of course. Around the 17th century, the focus of the group broadened from actual stonemasonry into a society of wealthy, educated gentlemen discussing the latest trends in philosophy, like a book club for morality. It was also the time when the society became entwined with deistic beliefs, an idea that the grand architect of the universe was just that. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea right there. Grand architect of the universe. Grand architect. And again, we're talking about 
these general ideas, but that fits right in with God, mm-hmm. a supreme ruler, a guardian. All these things could be the exact same thing that are being referenced, different cultures, different beliefs, take the same thing, they make it into what they want. A godlike being that created the world but has no further influence in its existence. The inclusivity and secularism of the Freemasons put them at odds with all sorts of conservative establishments, especially the Catholic Church, and for a while, Freemasonry was outright banned. As a result, the Masons were traditionally anti-monarchy and pro-republic and constitutional government, which explains why founding fathers such as George Washington and Benjamin Franklin were a part of the shadowy club. These days, Masons are still required to profess belief in a higher power, either the grand architect of the universe or for the individual Mason, the god of their own religion, in order to join the group or stay in it. However, the straight dope also notes that when a Mason achieves the highest rank, the tea is spilled about what the group secretly purports to believe. That god is actually a being they call Yabalin, who is an amalgam of the Hebrew god, a Canaanite god, and an Egyptian one. Of course, few, if any, Masons actually believe all or any of that, but all the secrecy and initiation rituals of Freemasonry help promote the brotherhood of man. So, (laughs) again, I'm coming at this from a very, I don't really know much about the Freemason. Well, they they don't know much either unless you get above 33 degrees. That's why the number 33 is hidden in like every movie. And remember, that's what uh, Alan Greenfield, when we had him Mm -hmm. on the Black Lodge episode, was talking about. It's like the very, very higher up aspects of the secret societies, including Freemasonry, and how they've actually been a lot more involved than most people realize in influencing culture. Oh, big time. And on top of that, on top of that, Influencing religion, the UFO community. I mean, we're talking everything. Everything could be influenced by this. But it it begs the question, is there an extraterrestrial element to Freemasonry? Well, supposedly George Washington saw extraterrestrial being in the forest. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, it was the British. Yeah, <laughs> he'd never seen a dick that big. <laughs> Has to be alien. <laughs> no way, humans have penises like that. Uh, so there, you know, again, it goes into you know. I'm just kind of threading us through all the various aspects and all the various things that these ideas go through. Everything from Freemasonry. Like a lot of people wouldn't think that Freemasons have anything to do with UFOs and aliens. Mm -hmm. Well, you'd be wrong. Yeah. You know, because actually, actually, the truth is, is that there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Lucas was a Freemason, by the way. There you go. (laughs) So all of these things play a part. If you think about all the history that we know Mm -hmm. is all hearsay, right? I mean, it's all passed down from someone who said they were there. Yeah. It's like the oral tradition, like the Native Americans, you know. That's right. And and so, you know, everybody knows the whole, you know, the history is written by the victors Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But it's true. 
It's very true. It's true. And then on top of that, as something we talked about with Mike Ricksecker, you have cultures that come through and wipe out knowledge, wipe out history, wipe out cultures. uh, What did he say? The Hittites were Mm. thought to never have existed because, oh, it's mentioned in the Bible, but there's no evidence of it. And then, bam, there's evidence of it. So you know what I mean? So it's, 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 we can't leave anything off the table. I do like to say, well, look, before we go, you know, zero to 60 to alien beings and, and interdimensional ultra terrestrial and all that stuff, let's think about what it could be. That's more terrestrial first. But now when you're talking about the ancient world, when you're talking about this idea of Freemasonry and 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 uh, and all these cultures and secret societies seeming to believe in extraterrestrials, well, now it's not about the modern argument of is Lou Elizondo telling the truth? Is is Stephen Greer telling the truth? Fuck those guys! <laughs> what the the real evidence is in our past. The real evidence is in humanity's origins. Were we genetically modified? You know, we. The problem is that you have people like David McMurray and his hypnotic therapist who could have easily manipulated that situation to fit the narrative of ancient astronaut theory and ancient civilizations being meddled with from extraterrestrials that doesn't make the theory wrong that makes dumbasses talking about the theory (laughs) wrong but that doesn't make the theory wrong there's a lot of evidence again going back to something we've talked about these ancient cultures these ancient civilizations having incredible uh, architecture uh, precision and, and in granite and and things artifacts that we're still finding that they cannot explain how they made them without machinery and i would say my belief is i don't think it was machinery i think it was they had such a deep knowledge of the universe as in the elements i don't mean like the stars like frequency and stuff right frequency vibration mm-hmm. all those things that they were able to manipulate that relationship thereby turning their world into butter if they wanted to so they can manipulate it turning their turning their world into light as a feather so they could move <laughs> it around stone. you know all those things i i love to believe that but unfortunately you have i rightfully so a lot of skepticism around hypnotic regression and unfortunately you have a lot of people that are talking about these theories like the ancient astronaut theory out of one side of their mouth and then out of the other side of their mouth they're saying and i was there at the pyramids in a previous life <laughs> and it's like okay i i i want to believe that but unfortunately there's no proof so you have to stay out of the evidence argument you know what i mean you have to step out of the scientific argument mm-hmm. with your hearsay i love your perspective i love that enthusiasm <laughs> but you can't come in the same room as, Hey, we have proof. Yeah. You yeah. can't step in and say, Oh, well, while you're talking about the relics and stuff, listen to my dream, 
you know, like, no, that doesn't work. You know, there's got to be two different avenues here because in order to establish the validity of these theories, we are looking at real relics. We're looking at real architecture. We're looking at real precision that cannot be explained or replicated. Your dream doesn't even factor into that. So just stay over there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but on this vein of ancient uh, civilizations, there's, you know, there's this, uh, you know, case uh, from this guy, Tony Todd, Tony Dodd in uh, Alien Investigator. I think it was his book. Uh, he talks about a lady named Sharon from Yorkshire. We don't have any other info on her, but Ozzy's wife, right? Right. (laughs) Sharon, Sharon. Uh, she mentions her alien abduction and mentions Egyptian like writing and a connection to the Egyptian or to the pyramids during guess what? Hypnotic regression. So again, the fear, look, you have people like Mike Christopher Dunn, who is an engineer who went to the pyramids and said, this is machinery. This was done with precision. This was no way. This was copper and stone and, and whatnot. No way, no way. So, so it's not, it's not, it's not a dream. Don't they want to tear down the pyramids and build hotels? I believe. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. It's crazy. If that's true. I mean, What other reason could you have? Yeah. I mean, I I don't believe there's a good enough reason to take any of this stuff down. But no, but certainly anybody who allows that, I think, is complicit in a giant cover up, whether they know it or not. Well, yeah. And it's a disservice to all society for our history. So I have this little clip about the theories, you know, around advanced civilizations ancient civilizations that were advanced possibly aliens and again we don't have proof that it was aliens but we do have evidence that there were techniques being utilized in ancient civilizations that we cannot explain so regardless of whether it was aliens or not it's crazy it's crazy so here we have a little clip it's a youtube short um about these ancient civilizations that I liked. ...were far more advanced than we thought. First, let's talk about the ancient Egyptians. This is the Orion's Belt, a star constellation. Is it a coincidence that it perfectly lines up with the pyramids of Giza? Now, what's crazy to me is that the speed of light and the altitude of the pyramids are the same number. It's also mind-blowing that the pyramids line up with the motherboard of a modern computer. It's also shocking that ancient cape drawings have depictions of light bulbs. So what if this is a proof ancient civil... All right, so the idea of that is exactly what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Is that the evidence is there that something, something far more advanced than we give them credit for was in action. What that was, we don't know. And so that's where we have to allow speculation that it could have been some type of interaction with more advanced beings. Was it more advanced humans or was it more advanced aliens? That's the question. 
That's the question. So are you familiar with the, uh, I know you are, the Black Knight? Yes. <laughs> the satellite. <laughs> to put it simply, yes, because that was like a, wasn't it an asteroid pretty much? Uh, I believe thought? so. It's a pretty long like uh, space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe the first time they saw it, like really saw it, it was, uh, uh, there was some kind of a spacewalk on the outside of the ISS, That's right. I believe. Yep. They claimed that it was a piece of the fuselage or something that had come loose, some kind of a heat panel that had kind of floated behind them. But then other people argued that it wasn't. Um, I've got a whole history breakdown on the Black Knight, if you want to go into it. Yeah, I think we should check it out. Um, so here's what it is. I've actually got it right here. I actually what I what I had. I love ChatGPT. <laughs> Say whatever you want about it. I love it. It's a phenomenal tool. But here's a conversation <laughs> that I had with Chad GBT. Okay, so I said, "What can you tell me about the Duncan Lunin ham radio operator that claimed to decode a strange transmission, suggesting that the satellite, as in the Black Knight satellite, was intelligent?" And then it originated from Epsilon Buddhist and that it was monitoring Earth. Here's what it said. Duncan Lunin's claim is related to an interesting and controversial topic in the field of ufology and radio astronomy. In 1973, Duncan Lunin, a Scottish, let me put this up actually real quick, a Scottish, uh, I lost my place, science fiction author and amateur ham radio operator, reported that he had decoded a mysterious and unusual radio signal that he believed originated from a satellite orbiting Earth. According to Lunin, this transmission contained a series of pictorial symbols that seemed to convey information about the satellite's origin and purpose. Lunin's interpretation of the decoded signal led him to to the conclusion that the satellite's intelligence was extraterrestrial in nature and that it originated from the star system Epsilon Buddhist, also known as Buddhist. He suggested that this satellite was monitoring Earth for some unknown reason. And then it goes into its own thing. It's important to note <laughs> that his claims have been met with skepticism and criticism from the scientific community. Many experts believe that the signal he decoded may have been the result of a natural radio interference or artifacts in the data rather than a deliberate message from an intelligent extraterrestrial source. The concept of an intellectual or an intellect satellite intelligent Satellite from another star system monitoring Earth raises significant questions and changes in terms of our understanding of the universe and the technology required for such a mission. And then I said, what can you tell me about the history and the theories regarding the Black Knight satellite? Well, the Black Knight satellite is a mysterious and controversial concept in the realm of ufology and conspiracy therapists. It's said to be an alleged extraterrestrial satellite, blah, 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 blah. We already did that. But here's where it says early reports go back to the 1950s and the early 1960s. Some claim that Nikola Tesla detected audio signal or radio signals from the satellite in the yeah. 1890s. Yep. And then you have Duncan Lunin, of course, which we said. And then you have other 
UFO enthusiast claims. Over the years, various UFO enthusiasts and conspiracy therapists have made claims about the Black Knight satellite. Some believe it is an ancient alien artifact or an extraterrestrial probe sent to observe humanity. Again, along the same lines of what we're talking about. 13,000 years old, supposedly. Skeptics and scientists argue that many of the alleged sightings and signals attributed to the Black Knight satellite can be explained as space debris. Misinterpretations of known satellites or natural phenomena. And then they say that despite decades of speculation and alleged sightings, there is no concrete scientific evidence to confirm the existence of the Black Knight satellite. No government space agency or reputable astronomical, good Lord, organization has officially acknowledged its presence. And of course, pop culture media. Interesting, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, there was actually a Black Knight like project too that was by the Air Force. Well, I believe that was something different. Yeah, that's what I was looking at too. To not be yeah confused with that, but it's kind of weird how they use the same name. Oh uh, yeah, well that, and I believe that's a lot to do with what better way to get people off of your scent than to name something else that can't be proven something that can mm-hmm. like a weather balloon. That's right. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, the black Knight satellite, when they punch that in, as opposed to a black Knight project, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good way to do that. Good way to do that. So, you know, I, yeah, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. But at the same time, there is messaging that has taken place in the past that people have claimed were aliens that is absolutely unexplainable and as well uh, very compelling. And I'm talking about crop circles. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at one of my favorite cases of crop circle. The uh, I believe it was the um, God damn it. I always forget the name. It'll tell in this. Of course, ancient aliens. Yeah. <laughs> of course. nation had everyone baffled and people were saying, well, what is this? Then a mathematician had a look at it and said, wait a minute, that's a representation of pi. And it's correct down to 10 decimal places. It's a representation of pi in a geometric sense. It's kind of interesting because the way you get pi out of it is the lengths of the different arcs in each segment. And what happens is there's these little notches in the spiral that let you know you're at the end of an arc. So you actually have to measure the arc lengths as you go around, and their lengths give you the digits of pi. And there's a little circle to give you the decimal point. So it's a really interesting example of using geometry as a code for representing digits and numbers. It just shows the level of knowledge, mathematical knowledge, geometric skill that goes into making these things. Many of the most famous crop circles actually derive from fractal patterns. Again, this is what fascinates me, is that this idea that we, there is a phenomenon that exists in which it is truly unexplained, truly unexplained. Like to the point where, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Mark, 
but to the point where they've gone to some of these, like in one case, there were, there was one in a wheat field, mm. right? They went into the wheat field and they found that the, the stalks were not broken. All right. They were simply bent over. And not only that, at the molecular level, only in the bend of the straw of the, the, the stalk of the wheat, the water molecules had been microwaved. Oh, wow. Only <laughs> in the bend, mm-hmm. not throughout the entire stock. No farmers going out there doing that. No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. And that was just one case. There's numerous, numerous cases, as they're highlighting here, of extreme messaging that how do you explain it other than an extraterrestrial source? What is the definition of pi anyways? Isn't it like uh, the definition? Yeah. Cause pi, like in a circle, I don't remember what it exactly means. It's uh, oh, I don't know uh, what I, I have no idea. I have, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, what does pi mean? Yeah, because I mean they were talking about pi in this, but what is what is the importance of that, I guess, maybe, you know? Well, I think what they're saying is it's not the number that's important. It's how they got the number. It's the message, probably. Too, so it's right? the fact that, like they said, that they could have easily had put in the crops three point one four, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But instead what they did is each ring of the formation the circumference was pi? the length. If you measured the length, it added up to, to the decimal point to the 10th number or whatever they said. That's crazy. It is crazy. So that's what I mean is it's, it's not about that. It was, it's not like they're trying to send some crazy message by sending <laughs> us by. It's simply that I think that they're whoever, whatever, for whatever reason, I have no idea, but for whatever reason, this thing thing on the wing uh is is trying to establish that it is intelligent Mm -hmm. now you could go real deep with this and say there's some government program that exists to just shoot random patterns into crops and throw everybody off that's pretty elaborate that's pretty elaborate Mm -hmm. but so is the idea that it's coming from aliens why crops part of me thinks If I believe in an alien race trying to make contact with humans, I'm more likely to believe an alien race that has looked at humans enough to know farmers are the smartest people. Yeah. (laughs) Not government, not Eisenhower, Mm -hmm. none of these government stooges that everybody says that the aliens are going, oh, the aliens are working for the government. Well, then fuck them. Fuck them and fuck the government they work for. But I like the aliens that are trying to conversate with farmers. The problem (laughs) is, is that farmers are going to the government to figure out what the fuck is going on. Yeah. That's the problem. And these things can only be seen from above. So aliens need to dumb themselves down for us. They need to put like, like get somebody's attention, put some titties in a crop circle. (laughs) Dude, you know how, you know, you know, a farmer's literally going to go, those are some damn fine titties. <laughs> yep. Because he, I guarantee you, I look, I, 
I know farmers, and I'm not calling farmers stupid, but I'm just saying what farmer is going to look at a representation of pie and be like, you know what that looks like? Yeah. <laughs> a representation of pie. Yeah. But no, you know what he is going to see is a big old pair of tits. <laughs> exactly. Speak our lingity. The, the universal Aliens, language, right? it's time for you to sprekens our lingity. <laughs> We're tits and ass people. Get it right. We don't like Bud Light anymore, but you could throw us some other shit. That's you know, right. whatever. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway, it continues on. <laughs> the Mandelbrot said. The Julia said. To make these, you have to have knowledge of math. Mathematics is, of course, the universal language. If we ever encounter aliens, they're not going to speak English or, or French or German. We'll speak and we'll communicate via mathematics. Or so we assume. They might be able to skip all that and just talk to us through our emotions. Yeah. You know, like imagine an alien species. Like a lot of people say they made their intent clear through telepathic communication. Maybe that's how they communicate is through intent. Mm -hmm. Like they express their intent to you. And that's why it's harder for us to know what they want is yeah. they're simply going peaceful. We're peaceful or we want your ass. I don't know. <laughs> crop circles, as some believe, be an attempt from an alien civilization to reach out and communicate with us. There's a consistent amount of sacred geometry, tetrahedrons, cubes, octahedrons, and even more complex geometric patterns. Many of our best and top scientists are now saying that this geometry is the secret keys to the higher dimensions. And it's right there in the crops, as if they're giving us a trail of breadcrumbs showing us how to get to the next level as a planet. Now, think about the idea that. Think about the idea that they are. They are like this super advanced alien race. And the dumbest way they can think to communicate is in the most intelligent 3d geographical or ge geom geom geometrical thank you <laughs> shapes like that's intense well that's what tesla if he had communication he said math you know what's yeah, the language yeah. to communicate yeah. with so yeah well so again i all i'm lining up i know crop circles is a little off track of what we're talking about but again sit this idea that there is symbology at work here. The Freemasons use symbology, use numerology mm -hmm. to communicate. Secret societies, the, the ancient texts. So what is, and, and then supposedly aliens. So all I'm saying is there's a connection here. Mm -hmm. There's a connection here between all of this. There's a connection between these abduction scenarios, whether I believe McMurray or not. The idea that there are guardians, uh, uh, an alien race that's out there protecting humans. I want to believe that, you know, but it's very interesting. But this kind of goes into the idea of the watchers that was mentioned before. Right. And the truth behind this. Well, we don't know, but the watchers, the guardians kind of interchangeable. We have this clip 
where does the idea of the watchers come from? It comes from the book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. So there's this clip I have um, from a little expert t- excerpt talking about the watchers, right? Uh, so here we go. The angels who betrayed God. <laughs> the fallen ones. Yeah. So here we go. According to the book of Enoch, the watchers were fallen angelic beings who were assigned to watch over humans. They were described as both the sons of God and the sons of heaven. The women's beauty on earth caught the attention of the watchers, leading them to abandon their role. The other, also the other thing I'm very skeptical of is we're talking about a race who can supposedly genetically manipulate DNA and they're falling in love with the Hobbit people, <laughs> these fuzzy creatures on earth that, I mean, barely know how to be things. It's weird, right? That is, yeah. It's like a simplistic being, you know? Well, so, maybe that's why they fell in love with them because it wasn't so complex. I mean, or maybe they were a bunch of freaks into bestiality. <laughs> yeah. And become consorts to the women. While not considered... Co- consorts is a very nice word. <laughs> yes, it is. It's <laughs> a nice word. They became consorts yeah. as opposed to they raped and pillaged yes. <laughs> throughout humanity. Canonical in major religions, the Book of Enoch is an intriguing read. It dates back to 300 BC and is recognized as an ancient Jewish text, still holding a place in some modern Christian and Jewish traditions. Enoch, after whom the book is named, is mentioned in the book of Genesis as an ancestor of Noah. Chapter 7 of the book of Enoch focuses on the Watchers, described as angelic beings who were supposed to guide humanity but were forbidden from interfering. However, they became infatuated with the beauty of human women and decided to take them as wives, disregarding their original purpose. The leader of the Watchers, Samjaza, initially hesitated but eventually joined the others in their decision. There were 200 Watchers in total who descended to Earth to marry the women. In Chapter 8, it is revealed that the Watchers taught mortal women various forbidden arts such as sorcery and the manipulation of nature. Sorry, yeah, witches. This act of sharing forbidden knowledge not only betrayed God, but also corrupted humanity. So, this goes back to the original question in the Garden of Eden mm-hmm. of Eve. What was the serpent? Did that story really happen? Was that all to make Eve the fall guy? I want you to think about something, Ben. So if we look at this phrase, so Adam, A-D-A-M, Atom, A-T-O-M, Eve, evolution. Ah, yes. Yes. And if we talk about like the book of Enoch here too, how do we know this wasn't like a seed war? So let's say these entities, they were banned from interfering with us directly. Yeah but they were putting their seed into our women to take over our race over time. So it was a war over the genetic propagation. Yes. Wow. (laughs) That's weird. Yes. (laughs) That's really weird. I mean, dude, that's the whole idea is that it's, what is the answer? Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of like something Mike Ricksecker said, which was a great episode. But he said, imagine taking 10 puzzles, 
however many puzzles you want to imagine. Okay. You take those, you pour out all the pieces together, you mix them all up, you remove 90% of it, of the pieces, and then try and make any of those pictures with those remaining pieces. That's what it's like trying to figure out what was going on in the ancient world. Mm -hmm. Again, we have all these little pieces like the relics pointing to some form of advanced, very precise architecture and building practices. Was it machinery or was it power? Natural power that humans had an ability for, or was it somebody doing it for them? That's what it, I mean. That's the the crazy part, man. Or even maybe our own society was more advanced and wiped out and could be took could taken be. over. That's right. Know? As they say, this whole idea of the ancient astronaut theory is that were these extraterrestrial soldiers monitoring humanity's progress and the same as the Anunnaki, you know, the Anunnaki idea. Mm -hmm. And despite their only mission to observe, they end up intermingling, defying the orders, causing disruption amongst the ranks. And then that's where, again, now, as you said, a, 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 a war, a seed war. A yep. seed war. Mm -hmm. Could be, man. Could be. Could be. It's very interesting. So, uh, you know, there's uh, this uh, this character, I guess, person from the Book of Enoch, Shimyaza, mm -hmm. the leader of the Watchers, is the one that's uh, imparting knowledge magic medicine to all these humans. And it, again, to go back to our main premise, it mirrors the, it parallels the story of the garden of Eden is that here he is, you know, I mean, yeah, in the garden of Eden, you have the book, uh, you know, the, the, the tree of, uh, what are the trees? It was like the tree of life, tree of life. Mm -hmm. And then the tree of, Knowledge. Tree of knowledge, yes. Yep. And they were forbidden from eating of the tree of knowledge. They could eat from the tree of life, mm -hmm. but could not eat from the tree of knowledge. Something but, else to think about, too, yeah. which is kind of weird, is if you look at, like, if you're talking about medicine and things being passed down, yeah. look at the symbology of the serpent around the snout. Exactly. The well, and that, again, the, you know, the whole idea of the serpent Shimyaza said to uh, be another name for Satan. Mm -hmm. Is that what they're, you know, the, the, the reptilian symbology is all over. Oh, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And this story, the, the, you know, garden of Eden story is like the, the kind of the, the OG mm -hmm. reptile story. Reptiles are bad. Look what they did. They tempted humanity. Fucking women. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that hell of a Troy. But, you know, this idea that uh, Shimyaza is now transformed into this Satan character. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, an angel that was disgraced 
and the Lucifer for Lightbringer, you know, is associated and labeled now. Uh, the the I think me and you talked about this before the the mistranslation of the King James version of the Hebrew Bible mm-hmm. that mistranslates uh, Satan, right? Yeah, because yeah, actually in he- Hebrew, I believe Satan. You can look it up, but actually in modern society would actually stand for lawyer. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about this uh deliberate mistranslation. Oh, all the time they've taken out the word God num like over six was it six hundred times? Yeah. So and there's, you know, the the argument that there's secret knowledge to be gained from these texts, mm-hmm. going back to ancient cultures, and that to to make enlighten humanity, yeah, like the Gnostic Bible, yeah, and that the concept again, going back to the Masonic influence in history, the Knights Templar, the royal houses. It ties into these a lot. This knowledge filtration, as Michael Cremo says, mm-hmm. of people coming along, groups coming along and realizing how important this knowledge is to humanity. Our origins. Again, not what's in the cosmos, but what's what is within us is the most important. And so is that idea, did, did, and look, I'm not saying to go and worship Satan by any means, (laughs) whatever you want to do, but all I'm saying is, was this a mistranslation to make Satan instead of God, the idea of God being controlling like slave drivers of humanity to simply create us to be a slave race Instead, you had these factions that may have existed in this as Shimyaza that tried to impart knowledge to humanity to give them a one-up. And then he was cast out by this authoritarian group. But then the texts that sent down the, the phone game, the telephone game, is now changed to, oh, Shemyaza was just this reptile demon that was cast out of heaven for being jealous of God and all of his glory and what he wanted. And now he torments man, (laughs) you know, as opposed to, well, he was trying to free man from humanity, from the slavery of ignorance. A fascinating concept. Mm-hmm. And then now you throw in aliens on top of that, that they were aliens. I, you know, but anyways, I love that idea that, it, you know, because again, it goes with the main, what we know propaganda exists. So is that what happened is, and then there was this big split, the watchers and the, the, uh, the other extraterrestrials that they go on. And now there's main groups establishing colonies on earth. And then there's other groups that go off into the cosmos. Is that what happened? Well, I kind of believe that there's these beings like this that are more three-dimensional. Yeah. They're the ones that are stuck here with us. They're in the earth. 
they were extraterrestrial at one point. These are like the fallen ones. Yeah. Is it propaganda though that the bad ones were left here on earth? Mm. See, that's what I mean. It's like, have we been sold this idea that the reptiles that reside within inner earth that are manipulating humanity? Well, if you go back to the original source, it was this person who was trying to give knowledge to humans that was uh, discredited. Was he trying to give knowledge to create to take over power, though? Or was he trying to make sure that humanity had power? Yes. And yep. now what we have is we know that there are groups that are withholding knowledge mm-hmm. technologically genetically, medically, you name it, you name it. So we know that. So that's what has me wondering is like, what is all this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, you know, there's not enough enough information there. (laughs) No, it's, it's very true. But I have a little clip about the Anunnaki because that's kind of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Again, it's all, it's all, you know, this idea that there was a medical intervention in some religious communities that managed to influence historical campaigns to cover all this up, you know, that there's, there's otherworldly knowledge out there, but they want to control that. So the Anunnaki are left out of things. Well, here's a great little clip. I like again, YouTube, but uh, I thought this was very interesting. Have you ever wondered why the Anunnaki are not mentioned in the Bible? The Anunnaki are known as ancient deities from Mesopotamian mythology, who supposedly created humans. However, there is no mention of them in the Bible. Some scholars believe that the reason the Anunnaki were not mentioned in the Bible is because the authors of the Bible were not aware of their existence. Others believe that the Anunnaki were deliberately omitted from the Bible by religious leaders. According to ancient texts, The Anunnaki were powerful beings who were able to live for thousands of years. They were known to have advanced technology and were revered as gods by the Sumerians. It's possible that the leaders of early Christianity did not want to acknowledge the existence of other powerful beings, as it could have threatened their own power and authority. Alternatively, it's possible that the stories of the Anunnaki were simply not included in the Bible because they did not fit with the narrative that early Christians were trying to create. Could be. Mm-hmm. Now, go. I played this in the wrong order because we were talking about Lucifer. But again, yeah, listen right. <laughs> to listen to the story of Lucifer, and tell me how this it, again from kind of a propaganda. I'm not saying it is propaganda. I'm not saying that Satan is good and that God is bad. I'm not saying any of that. What if they're two different people? Ah, but just keep in mind how propaganda works and think about if you're trying to discredit a person or a being or whatever it is that was trying to help humanity, this is a good way to go about it. Check this out. In the world's dawn, God created the heavens and the earth on the second day. And on the very same day, God created the angels, archangels, and cherubim. And these heavenly creatures would inhabit the heavens. The renowned Gabriel and Michael were among these magnificent beings. But there was yet another entity who stood out 
due to his beauty and splendor. Known now, could beauty and splendor, because again, they're kind of wrapping this in he was vain, he was arrogant. Could it have been that the beauty and all that was actually he was really smart, he taught a lot of people, he was well-liked? You know what I mean? You know what I'm getting at? You see what I'm getting at? How they, how, when you hear propaganda and they say things like, oh, he was a womanizer. He like this whole yeah, pedophile yeah. thing. Somebody can label anybody as a racist, mm -hmm. as a pedophile. We know this. I'm not saying that that's what happened, that God slandered Lucifer. But all I'm saying is propaganda is a thing. So was this flipped books. around? <laughs> was this flipped around? As Lucifer. He was the most important creature God had ever created. But although he had so many qualities, or perhaps due to that, Lucifer was taken by pride. This is the vice that leads to arrogance, vanity, and endless haughtiness. Pride was one of the seven deadly sins. The proud Lucifer considered himself to be so perfect that he decided to create his own throne, placed even above God since he wished to be like God. So that could be, in my mind, I think, if you have even somebody who's saying, look, I don't want to be, let's just take from like a management point of view. Mm -hmm. You have somebody that's working for management, right? And they go, look, I'm just trying to look out for my people. Look, I don't want them to be taken advantage of. I'm letting them know what's going on as far as our overall vision of what we're trying to do here. And you have the head up corporate go, look, I don't want you interfering with that. You need to mind your own, stay in your own lane. Don't get involved, right? It's like a representation of people. He's representing people. Mm -hmm. And then the higher ups get pissed and say, you're fraternizing with the staff, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. Lust, I mean, I know that's a little bit beauty. of a stretch. It's simplifying it, but that's how propaganda works. Yeah. To accomplish his plan, the evil angel deceived the other angels around him. Therefore, the father of falsehood had by his side a third of the angelic beings who inhabited the heavens. Together, they would unleash a battle for heaven. But Lucifer encountered an outstanding opponent, Archangel Michael, who commanded the heavenly militia of God-loving angels. To defeat the Lord's angels, Lucifer turned himself into a mighty dragon and dueled against Michael, who wielded a flaming sword. There's symbology Not again. A the lot. serpent, the dragon. That's right. Withstanding all his might, the dragon did not defeat Michael since the latter had God by his side. Lucifer and his evil angels were banished from heaven. These angels fell on the earth and were trapped in hell. But Lucifer endured even greater punishment. He, once the most beautiful angel, was transformed into... Anyways, it goes on and on. But... I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but a lot of this is... Mm -hmm. But all I think is like these ancient texts, because the Bible came from much more ancient texts than the Bible. Oh, and multiple, multiple books. 
So scrolls. This mistranslation idea is very, very real. Mm-hmm. You know, very real. Um, you know, and then you have, of course, you have the idea that there were uh ancient um wars. This idea that there was an ancient war, and that if there was an advanced alien race, there must have been advanced weapons, right? Yeah. Well, what kind of evidence do we have of that? Well, <laughs> we just so happen to have. Check this out. For a nuclear explosion in the Bible, the Bible story tells how God rained sulfur and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah due to its wickedness, resulting in the total annihilation of both cities. Archaeologists have excavated the city Tal El Hammam in Jordan for nearly 20 years. One expert claims the ancient city was obliterated by what appears to be a cosmic explosion. And this could be the basis for the biblical tale. Scientists compare this catastrophe to the 1908 Tunguska airburst in Russia, where a mysterious explosion flattened an entire forest. The parallels are eerie, fireball, explosions, and destruction. However, Stephen Collins, the lead archaeologist at Tal El Hammam, found many pieces of pottery covered in trinitite. Trinitite is like the glassy layer left on the desert ground after a nuclear bomb, as it melts the sand. So, the question is, was the destruction due to a nuclear bomb? If so, was advanced alien technology used? Oh, okay. So now, of course, we have ancient aliens. Let's hear their take on this. Short clip, not too long. Libyan desert glass is thousands of years old. and one of the- Again, keep in mind that we don't know what would have caused this. It's fascinating. Atomic glass. Challenges is figuring out how that glass was formed. We know you need high heat, high temperatures, high pressure. This yellowish green glass looks vitrified. In fact, it's strikingly similar to Trinitite, the quartz like glass that was created after the atomic explosion at the Trinity test site in New Mexico. And one wonders if the Libyan glass is also a remnant from a nuclear explosion. It is possible that nuclear blasts would have done it, but that would assume you had someone around with nuclear weapons. Is it possible that the Libyan desert glass was formed by the detonation of a nuclear weapon thousands of years ago? Ancient astronaut theorists say yes and claim evidence of such a powerful weapon being used is written in the texts of ancient Egypt. In the ancient Egyptian story in which Horus avenges his brother Osiris' death, he flies up into the heavens in a winged disc. And in the heavens, he encounters the enemies of Osiris and he chases them. And then Horus releases some kind of a terrible weapon that causes his enemies to first go blind and then deaf. This sounds like some devastating weapon that Horus unleashed. Is it possible that it was nuclear a bomb? Nuclear yeah, right. Yeah. On them? So that's very interesting. You know, we have all these references to ancient technology that could have existed pointing to the idea that there were uh, ancient civilizations with technology that over time, you know, like the idea that 
a thousand years from now, if our civilization is destroyed, people will be sitting around with black rocks <laughs> in their hand saying, people used to talk on these. Yeah, exactly. People <laughs> used to share photos and do all this and listen to things and da, 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 and all this stuff. And, and we're, you know, trying to have the concept of what our civilization looked like. So now you have ancient people that are hearing stories about even more ancient people. You know, again, the idea, what, who was it? Plato talking about uh, the idea of Atlantis. Yes. Yep. And talking about the story, but yet having a date, you know, having all these things that, that could have made it plausible. Uh, it's like that, it was a myth passed Yeah, down. that over thousands of years, they literally lose the concept of what that could even look like. Mm -hmm. So now they come up with stories of what they had around them. Rugs that could fly with magic of whatever. Mm -hmm. Who knows, right? Um, you have uh, the idea of Jacob's ladder. Jacob's, for, again, from the Bible. Mm -hmm. Vivid dream he has. Angels moving up and down a staircase to heaven that he had during this journey that he was on to Haran and that it could be associated with an alien abduction. Mm -hmm. Advanced technology might've influenced his dream, an implant, implanted memory, implanted dream. Maybe it was psychedelics. Who knows? I doubt there's a lot of people that claim uh, <laughs> mind programming back in the ancient time world, but I'm less inclined to believe that. Yeah. Um, and then you have, again, from the Bible, you have Elijah's ascension in a chariot of fire that a lot of people say, well, it's an alien abduction. The actual uh, uh, um, verse, 2 Kings 2.11, and it came to pass <laughs> as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. The only person, one of the few people I believe taken into heaven, believed to have taken into heaven without having died. You know, could that be uh, ancient technology? Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Um, uh, you have the book of Ezekiel, a description of a flying object to a wheel within a wheel. Again, I have another, uh, I have another clip by the amazing ancient aliens. Here we go. <laughs> Talking about Solomon's flying machines. The Kebernagast is one of the most important texts you've never heard of. The Kebernagast means the Book of Kings, and it is the most sacred book of the Ethiopians. In it, King Solomon, it's described, he had access to some type of a flying machine. And in that part of the world, the term flying carpet was always used very liberally. My question is, did they really mean actual flying carpets? Or was it another term with which to describe some type of a flying machine? 
This was the original chariots of the gods that Eric von Donigan talked about. The flying magic carpets of the Arabian Nights stories. There are traditions in the Middle East of King Solomon having this airship and flying to different places in the Middle East, certain mountains, which are known as the Mountains of Solomon. These may have been certain airports or landing areas for these Vimanas. Nicholas Rorick, famous uh, Russian-American explorer who traveled all through Central Asia and Tibet uh, in the 1920s, he too claimed that Tibetans had traditions of King Solomon flying to Tibet in this aircraft. All right, so again, we have a lot of reference to tales that could have been attributed to much less technology than was actually being used. You know, thin crafts, things like that. It, it could be rectangular craft, right? Could be. Could be. They're thin, but it's, you know, they're describing as people riding on the, I mean, but it's hard to know. Again, you have ancient cultures that if they didn't understand technology and they're trying to convey that in what they know based on their culture, it's going to come across in very weird ways, like flying rugs. Yeah. Yeah. And whatnot. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, but going back to the idea of these fallen beings that ended up living within the earth and, um, manipulating potentially humanity, right? Uh, there's a lot of human history that talks about this. Um, and it's in biblical accounts, but of course that gets us into the whole idea of these, uh, shapeshifters, the David Icke and what he believes, you know, that, um, these reptilian legends, these modern urban myths, that claim to be shapeshifters and reptilians are influencing people like politicians, <laughs> you know, uh, I love that idea because they're certainly not human. Yeah. Uh, they're certainly not human. So call them whatever you want. Uh, they're definitely not human. These politicians, but are they reptiles? There's a lot of ancient legends that talk about, gods or demons that can change their form mm -hmm. and deceive humans. Uh, the greatest is of course, Greek mythology, Zeus, who could transform into various animals. He even impersonated a woman's husband. Yeah. And then didn't he get her pregnant? No, Zeus had kids with everybody. Yeah. They, yeah. Was, <laughs> he basically took over and made it with everybody. that dick like a nunchuck, man. <laughs> it wasn't really a lightning bolt. No. <laughs> Oh, but it burned after, uh, but there's, uh, there's a lot of examples of these shape-shifting beliefs going back in cave paintings, 10,000 years old, Southern France. Um, the sorcerer shows a turning, uh, a human turning into a horned animal is one of these depictions again, called the sorcerer. Um, and it, 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 it brings up the idea that what are these beings? Are the, are 
is all of this shapeshifters are shapeshifters turning into aliens? Genetic mutations even maybe. It could be. Like uh, what about a minotaur? It's like half human, half yeah, bull. Yeah, could be. Uh, you know, there's there's this parallel between uh, again, I've highlighted the highlighted this a lot. The parallels between uh religious experiences and alien abductions. Mm-hmm. And then similarly is extraterrestrial shapeshifters and demonic possession. You know, this, I, well, arguably Zeus was possessing this man, this woman's husband, or was he Mm shapeshifting? Did he possess the human or did he actually change form into as in creating a doppelganger? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a weird tie-in. There's this whole, which you've brought up numerous times, is the idea that aliens, the reference to aliens, don't originate from outer space, but actually from another dimension or a realm, as in, could they be from hell? Mm -hmm. Could they be demons? I have an interesting clip about from a guy... (laughs) Um, it's from a show, Mike Signorelli, and I'm not sure who the guy is that's talking Hmm. and I can't remember if they say, but it's a very interesting, uh, take on this. And I think you're going to like this. Oh yeah. What connection between occult activity and UFO sightings have you seen? We're dealing with something beyond the space time dimensions of the universe. We tell people if you're having these UFO encounters, Here's a list of occult activities that invite the demons, the fallen angels, to invade your life. If you get rid of all that, there'll be no more UFO encounter. But if you begin to practice these things, don't be surprised if you have these encounters. That UFO encounters vary across the globe, much higher in France and equatorial Brazil than it is in the United States. Why? And a key point here, why? Because there's many more people in France and equatorial Brazil that are involved in the alcohol. Okay, so my theory, as it has been for a very long time, is that belief is the key. Mm-hmm. Why do all these people, why is it so prevalent in France? Why is it so prevalent in Brazil? Because as he's saying, these people are believe they believe in the occult yeah they believe in these things that's where the masons came from is france yeah well there's a direct correlation between the percentage of the population involved in the occult and the percentage of the population that's having these ufo encounters so that again as he just said there's a correlation between the population that is involved in the occult and the amount of sightings and encounters that they are. And again, that comes down to belief. Mm -hmm. You're channeling that energy. Now, in an ancient world where they seemingly were encountering these things, well, it would be much easier to believe. Yeah. Because you're dealing with it. You you got rapey (laughs) demons just running around. Having sex with humans, mm-hmm. um, but it's a, anyways. It's a one of stop it, Quit, Tucker Carlson. Get out of here, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but it, it it's a very interesting. You've brought up that one a lot. Yeah, 
uh, that idea that uh, that aliens are actually demons. It's one and the same. Mm-hmm. Again, kind of back to the main thesis that is ancient cultures, Egyptian, Sumerian, Mayan, all of these, Native American, could have all been referencing these same things, but calling them different things based on their culture and their beliefs. There is this, uh, which I talked to uh, Mike uh, uh, Ricksecker about this. There's this author, Brinsley Lapeer, that coined the term ultra-terrestrials for these entities. And he believes that they not only play a role in contemporary UFO sightings and claims of alien abductions, but that they also influence or they have influenced many of these ancient legends and myths, including the events in the Bible. And that he theorizes that these entities known as the Watchers were likely ultra-terrestrials, as in dimensional beings, as opposed to extraterrestrial, as in outer space, cosmos, even inner Earth. No, 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 no. It's way beyond that. It's interdimensional. So now it's more akin to the idea of the multiple planes of existence in enlightenment, you know, and all that type of stuff. Multiple cultures had portals too. That's right. And so, so again, it all ties in no matter what you're talking about, whether you argue that they're reptilian beings from the cosmos, epsilon, whatever the fuck, (laughs) or, or that they're interdimensional beings. We're all talking about the same thing here. We're all talking about the same thing, but this Lapeer, the, the reason why his is very interesting is because he believes that because they are ultra terrestrial as in able to manipulate dimensions that they are able to inhabit human bodies Hmm. and that a conflict of some kind led to their entrapment in earthly bodies. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Right. It's like a prison planet. And that that's (laughs) why these ultra terrestrials went to war with another race is because they didn't want to be trapped anymore. Mm-hmm. And that maybe these other beings, because of their scientific knowledge, knew how to get them out of that. And they were like, nah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, who, dude, who yeah, knows? Yeah, who knows? So again, going back to the watchers and this idea of who are the watchers, um, there is this uh, idea of the, let me try and find my place here. I, I lost my place. I had another... Uh, the dark ah, here watchers. we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dark watchers, right? We I kind of talked uh, with Mike Ricksecker on this uh, about shadow beings, mm. shadow people. But there is this phenomenon in California specifically, the Santa Lucia Mountains, legends of dark watchers hmm. reported for centuries, going back to the pilgrims, native tribes. Oh, excuse me, native tribes even. So, are again, are they talking about the same thing? Well, here's the legend of the Dark Watchers, a little short. The Dark Watchers urban legend 
revolves around a series of phantom-like humanoid figures that allegedly haunt the Santa Lucia Mountains in California's coastal range. The Dark Watchers are typically described as tall, shadowy figures, often seen wearing hats or capes. They are most commonly spotted at twilight or dawn, silently observing travelers from atop hills or ridges. Those who encounter them claim that the figures vanish into thin air when approached. Some believe they are ancient spirits protecting the sacred lands, while others suggest they are interdimensional beings or residual energies from past inhabitants. All right, so very interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. Are they energy-based? Are they a physical one? Are they both? They're wearing capes or superheroes. Are they <laughs> are they these watchers that are energy-based looking around to inhabit physical bodies? Is that what people are seeing when they see ghosts? Is that what I mean, look, it ties in again. You start at ancient aliens, you end up in demonic possession mm -hmm. because it all ties in together. It, it, it's all interwoven, all this phenomenon. So it begs the question, is it all connected? Is, is that what everybody's seeing? Cryptozoology, paranormal, supernatural, UFO. Is it all connected? Bigfoot. I think it is personally. I think, I think all of it is. I mean, it all makes sense, you know? Yeah. With energy and yep. different dimensional beings. That's and right. And there's all these, look, at people talk about hot spots, Bigfoot hot spots, UFO hot spots. What makes a hot spot? I think the hot spot is the energy put out by people that believe. Mm -hmm. And that as people in demonic possession say, you leave yourself vulnerable, that's exactly what's happening. On top of that, you have cases of cultural uh, um uh, mani uh, not manipulation, influence. They're being influenced by culture. You see a scary movie, you hear something right after, it takes you back to the scary movie, you think a murderer is in my house. Mm -hmm. You know, or as you, a deer on my roof. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. It was Santa Claus. <laughs> I have to tell this story while we're, oh, yes. if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> so me and Mark are hanging out, uh, what was it, last week? Yeah, I think it was last weekend, yeah. <laughs> we're hanging out for a little bit. You came over to help me with some internet stuff. Thank uh, you. And, uh, and... He hangs out for a little while, goes home, calls me about an hour later and say, dude, shit was on my roof. <laughs> and so we go into this whole thing of what could it be? You know, and I, my thing, because you said you saw some deer go up a hill and I'm thinking, yeah. could it have been deer? And dude, you were freaked out. Oh, yeah. Dude, I would be I, too. I'm I not saying footsteps. like I would be freaked <laughs> like somebody out. Somebody walking. Freaked out. And the dogs, their hair was on their back, like barking at the roof. Weird. And I was like, what the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Weird. So, so anyways, uh, but you know, That's even belief. you were like, yeah. it's belief. Yep. And, and even you telling me that story got me creeped out <laughs> exactly. here at my house because I'm like, dude, I'd be so freaked out if I were you. I literally told you, I'm like, get in a room, grab a gun, bring your dogs in that room and don't go anywhere. 
I didn't. I didn't. And sleep. you survived. <laughs> yeah, you survived the night. And I think there was deer and tracks. <laughs> when you got up on the roof, you you thought it was deer tracks, yeah, which is so. crazy. And to explain, in case you think there were flying deer, yes, <laughs> you know his house is like there's a hill behind it, yeah, where it can like. I mean, just barely. (laughs) And at the time we had a lot of snow. Mm -hmm. So maybe these deer got, you know, it just didn't realize it was a rooftop as opposed to a hill. Yeah. Who knows, dude. But anyways, crazy. But I had to, (laughs) I had to tell that. So I had to tell that. Something might be chasing him. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. So again, I mean, you know, going back to our original idea is there are fairy tales going back in culture that are, you know, well, even before we do that, the perspective of the ancient astronaut theories, the idea that there's genetic experimentation going on, mm-hmm. we do that now. Yeah. That's not far-fetched. The idea that this Anunnaki, whatever they were, were responsible for creating the human race through genetic experimentation with the whole idea of there being this missing link somewhere, could it be? Could it be? It raises the possibility of that being the case. Some type of 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 genetic manipulation uh, early, early on, early on. And you know, and again, we can go over. I mean, fairy tales, children's stories—they all involve interactions with otherworldly entities. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's aliens, sometimes it's fairies, sometimes it's Bigfoot, but it's these otherworldly, whatever they are, interdimensional, whatever they, who knows. And on top of that, again, going into the, going back to the crop circle idea, there's this whole idea of that, that they're obsessed with agriculture, Which I don't understand. Well, I mean, that's even in medieval times, fairy tales, they're always usually around agrarian society. Very true. Very true. So I feel like that's a very humanistic aspect of this. Of like, oh, they're so interested in our farming techniques. <laughs> Damn like, cows. Are they really, though? <laughs> yeah. Are they really? I don't know. Um, But there are a lot of UFO encounters, alien encounter stories about them being intrigued by our agriculture and farming techniques, which again, I find that very funny. There's this UFO researcher, Timothy Good. He He's noted that there's a lot of these. So why the fascination? Well, I think I think before we even start digging into why are they fascinated with, uh, with cows? Why are they Cow fascinated with crop circles? Let's try and figure out what the fuck they are. How about that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's try and get down to what they are. But either way, it comes down to this. Throughout history, there seems to be, and, and again, I'm this is coming from the guy, you guys know me, coming from the guy that's very skeptical of modern UFO sightings, encounters, stories, propaganda, disclosure. I'm skeptical of all of it. But what I, I find most fascinating is the, the phenomenon found throughout history. Reflected in myths, legends, folklore, ancient texts, ancient cave drawings, you name it. It's scattered throughout our entire history. What's the purpose? Are we an experiment for an alien race? 
from somewhere, some butt fuck nowhere in the universe <laughs> that came to earth. Cause we had it going on. We, wow, man, they got the, they got the sexiest primates everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, do they still visit? Are they, are they doing experiments on us? Are they implanting things in people? Uh, you know, uh, again, something that I find very interesting about a lot of these encounters is you have this very human aspect of guilt of how we treat animals projected into how aliens treat us. Right? Yeah. Why? If they're enlightened, why would they need to fuck with us like that? Because we're more powerful than they want us to believe, they, I think. I, I think I the know. truth is, I think the truth is, is that there isn't aliens experimenting on humans. It's humans experimenting on humans. I don't think any alien race would need to carve up a cow or a person. When uh, you're telling me they don't have an MRI machine? You're telling me they don't have like clear as fucking day. We have 3D ultrasound machines. You're telling me the aliens don't have something way beyond that where they need to carve us up and probe <laughs> our buttholes. Come on. Come on. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. That, that doesn't regard, make sense yeah. to me. What makes sense to me is the genetic laboratory idea. That it, I mean, the, people have been pondering this since the late 70s. This isn't anything new, by the way. You know, I mean, it's gotten more popular because of people like ancient aliens and, and you know, the abdu alien abduction phenomenon in culture, especially in the U.S. But it's been going on since the 70s. But the possibility of of the story of the Garden of Eden being a genetic laboratory for creating the world and humanity as we know it is a fascinating thought. It could be our planet. It could be the earth. It could be us. It could explain the true origin and creation of humanity. Right? And of course, going back to ancient aliens, proof, <laughs> proof. Of alien contact in the Bible. Let's go to it, shall we? According to an ancient Jewish interpretation of the Bible, known as the Kabbalah, Adam was created from a human-like race that already existed on Earth. There are some who believe this points to the genetic engineering of Homo sapiens, and that further manipulation of human DNA can be found in the biblical story of the Garden of Eden. Let's look then at the story of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve living uh, so blissfully in this Edenic garden. And then suddenly this serpent being comes to them and offers them some special food to eat. Who is this serpent? Ancient legend tells us that the serpent in the Garden of Eden was actually a humanoid form. It stood erect, had arms and legs. Erect. <laughs> The serpent talks to Eve and says, hey, have a piece of fruit. Eve eats, Adam too. And suddenly 
completely change into what we would call modern people who are now creating clothing, creating ornaments, they're building houses and vehicles, tools and things like that. We have, in a sense, an evolutionary leap from primitive humans to more modern humans who are more aware of themselves and their surroundings. All right, so again, kind of to bring hammer home the idea of what we've been talking about is the idea that the Garden of Eden, like all these stories in the Bible or metaphors, could be a metaphor. Humanity's origins. Yeah. Again, so, uh, you know. I have a good quote from Joseph Campbell here. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. He uh, So Joseph Campbell wrote The Power of Myth and all these different stories of the mythos that link all the gods and everything from yeah. ancient times, right? Yeah. So he says, people say that what we're all seeking is the meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that's what we're or what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances with our own innermost being and reality so that we're actually feel the rapture of being alive. Wow. So that's, that's pretty deep, but <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. But this whole concept is pretty deep. Yes. This whole concept of, of look, I, I've said for a while that I think the true cover-up is not aliens, you know, alien bodies and crafts that are locked up in Area 51 S4 and Wright-Patterson. I don't think that's the cover-up. I think that is a narrative put out by defense contractors with help from the Pentagon and all these other intelligence agencies that put that together as the perfect cop out <laughs> for, for, you know, running advanced technology right under people's noses. I think the true cover up, again, expressed through knowledge filtration, secret societies covering up, hiding texts, destroying evidence of human origins. Uh, uh, creating narratives, propaganda, you know, mistranslations, what seemed to be intentional, the intentional hiding of human origins. That's the cover-up. And today, you can feel it today, Graham Hancock censored all over the place, called mm -hmm. a racist, all these things. He's married to a tan woman. <laughs> you know, so it's like all of this is done as the same people say to discredit UFO people. And yet it's being done with people trying to get to our human origins and, and people are ignoring it. It's interesting how a lot of the people involved in the UFO topic are not familiar with the ancient aliens type stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very, very interesting. So like two different camps, it seems to be like two different camps and I choose. <laughs> Camp Ancient Aliens. Me too. <laughs> so, but I want to know how y'all feel about that. How do y'all feel about the Ancient Aliens thing, the genetic stuff about, you know, the Garden of Eden? Let's talk. 
Discord server, go light it up, light it up. But now we're going to go on to our se- our new segment that we've uh, we've brought into the show because I had too hard of a time doing a separate show, and it is called Facts and Fuckery. Here we go. Facts and Fuckery. We're going to go over it. News, propaganda, sorting out the facts from the fuckery. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Right, we bring you current events, news stuff going on, and of course, uh, in the news, as usual, uh, who do we got? Our favorite guy, Grush. <laughs> Amazing. Imagine that. Imagine this. So, first story right off the bat, I have to highlight this. So, I've been calling, I've been talking a lot of shit about this guy for a long time because. It's all hearsay. I heard from so-and-so who told me such and such, and now I'm going to tell you in front of Congress, and that's supposed to mean something. I tend to watch his actions more than anything, okay? And I've, you know, a lot of people say this. I'm one of them. Follow the money. Mm. Grush has been on Joe Rogan, right? He had an opportunity to go on a second time, The word is he got invited a second time with somebody else that was going to accompany him to talk the physics of all this stuff. Well, guess what he did instead? Mind you, turn down the biggest podcast in the world to do what? To go to a secret meeting in New York (laughs) with who do you think were there? Three letter agency, three letter agencies (laughs) and the toppy tops of Wall Street. Wall Street, dude. So CIA and Wall Street. So here he does. He was going in talking about his details. Mind you, tell me if you heard this in front of Congress. Tell me if you heard this in his other interviews. But he claims to be telling them about a TARDIS-like craft in government possession, 40 feet long, size of a football field. Hmm. Yeah. Did he say any of that in front of Congress? No. <laughs> no. Under oath? No. Right? So he talks about... Skiff, right? <laughs> yeah. He talks about how it had the ability to manipulate both space and time, had the power to supply energy for 70,000 ohms a year. Did he say any of that under oath? No. No, but guess who he did say it in front of? A bunch of FBI stooges, CIA stooges, the Department of Homeland Security officials, tech entrepreneurs, and Wall Street figures. Hmm. What the fuck, Grush? (laughs) And it was in a Manhattan penthouse, fuck you, where there was no photos allowed, (laughs) fuck you, but apparently the information was leaked. Hmm. By an anonymous attendee. <laughs> Come on, dude. Come on, people. Who's believing this shit? God. Who is believing Grush anymore? Yep. Say what you want about what he said on, on Rogan, right? Which I fell in love with Grush that day. But Grush, you broke my heart. <laughs> okay? You broke my heart. Broke my heart, Frodo. No, it's not Frodo. Who who was the the oh. brother in? Uh, God damn it, in uh, Fredo. Oh, Fredo, yeah. Frodo. 
He kind of looked like Abba. Yeah, kind of looked like Abba. <laughs> Anyways. So he got, goes on all this stuff talking about how apparently, according to an anonymous attendee, whatever, there was a Coinbase advisor there hosted by John D'Agostino and an attorney, John J. Altarelli. Dude, talk about a schmuck fest. Talk about a schmuck fest. All right. So then he apparently claims he had previously claimed that the Vatican was aware of these and that the U.S. had retrieved a UFO from Mussolini after World War II. He testified in front of Congress in July that the U.S. had possession of UFOs since the 1930s and that he suggested that no more than 50 people knew the full extent of the phenomenon. And yet, thousands of people have claimed that they do. Mm-hmm. He also alleged that the U.S. government had been involved in secretive activities, including murders, to keep UFOs a secret, which there are, is some weird shit when it comes to UFO researchers. I'll give you that. Phil Schneider is one of them. I'll give you that. And apparently, attendees were allowed to ask questions, including inquiries, why not why not do all that in front of Congress? FBI, CIA, Wall Street, DOJ, Coinbase? What the fuck? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like Coin, I, why is Coinbase there? Investors, bro. Uh, investors. Yep. That's why. Yep. Pure and simple. It's about money. And if you needed any other reason, to think it was about money. Remember, he also piled up with Gary fucking Nolan mm-hmm. as a COO who makes about $295,000 a year. And funny enough that COO spells coup. <laughs> you know, yeah. say what you want. But right. I, I find this as a gigantic disinformation campaign. Mm-hmm. And whether Grush knows he's a part of it or not is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You are a disinformation agent, pal. And like, I got one thing for you. You're a cunt. <laughs> That's right, Grush. You're a cunt. You are a cunt for meeting up with CIA, FBI, DOJ, Coinbase, Fox, and Wall Street. How dare you, Grush? How dare you? So, you know, meanwhile, meanwhile, he claims to be, oh, I just want to do this for humanity. Dude, if you needed, if you, if you're not convinced by now that he's just whoring himself out for money, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I, you tell Mark, where are you at on this? Like, be honest with me. Tell me. Well, I think Rogan's compromised now too. So I mean, dude, they all could be. Yeah, they all. He could used to be. speak a lot more truths, like in twenty twenty, but I think they got to him too. I mean, money Maybe. talks. Unfortunately, I mean, dude, it's so hard to know. Yeah. I mean, of course, he always claims. You know, look, I don't like to rag on other podcasts. No, no. However, they do their shit. You could argue all day. He's Mossad. Mm-hmm. He's a CIA operative. He's bought by the NSA. You're never going to prove it. No, no, never going to prove it. So meanwhile, again, I'll give Rogan this. The interview with Grush was really good. Oh, I watched it too. It was excellent. I was like, wow, this is actually interesting. But then for Grush to take that momentum and put it into, put that momentum into 
not helping bring things out to the public, but instead literally going to a Bakaki fest <laughs> at a CIA and FBI. Oh, give me all your, all your money. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you, dude. And it's okay. So now for more fuck yous. Okay. <laughs> There's Grush again. Cause I, I just, I had to have another photo of him. Look yeah. at him. Look at him there. Look at him. And guess who's behind him? Fucking oh, Corbell. And yep, speaking Corbell. of Corbell, let's go on to Corbell's jellyfish UFO. Oh, let's talk about that. Shall we? <laughs> let's talk about that. All right. So it, well, here, let me give you the, let me give you the clip of the news are uh, uh, about this. All right, so here's the news about this. From News Nation, of course, <laughs> the only news outlet to ever get an exclusive from Corbell is News Nation, which is <laughs> like, uh, how can you argue they're not in bed with each other? Mm-hmm. But News Nation's Brian Anton sat down for an exclusive interview with a Marine who watched the entire video and said it was well known on the base in Iraq where he was stationed. That that video existed. Brian joins us now. Uh, this veteran told you it was basically like the ghost story of the base. Yeah, he did, Elizabeth. He said a lot of people on the base uh, saw the video. No one could figure out exactly what this object was. They did not really view it as a threat, but they did think it was a very big mystery. It is the video of an unidentified object that is sparking debate and curiosity. No one can say for sure what exactly this is. And now for the first time, we're hearing from a Marine veteran who says he served on the base where the video was taken in Iraq. Did you think when you watched it for the first time that, like, it could be, you know, non-human? It crossed my mind because the theories that we had like I said, didn't, didn't fully explain it. Michael Sinkowski was an intelligence surveillance reconnaissance tactical controller at the base in Iraq. He says the video was captured in 2017 and shown to him by colleagues when he arrived in 2018. Marines nicknamed the object the Spaghetti Monster. <laughs> yeah, that's a religion, you know. <laughs> Lots of credibility surrounding this. Yeah. And I believe some of the Marines were tasked to try to find it on night vision and, and they were looking for it uh, with their other sensors and everything else that we had. Um, and they couldn't find it. So th- they kept an eye out, but it, it wasn't like we were scrambling to our defensive positions or anything like that. <laughs> it was just a, a big unknown. Sinkowski says the video was captured by an aerostat, which is a big balloon that looks like a blimp over the base. It had cameras on it to look out for threats. Sinkowski says his colleagues tracked the object as it traveled by the base and out over Lake Habania in Anbar province, Iraq. Did you see the full 17 minutes? Yes. And so what else is there in the video that we haven't seen? Not a whole lot. All I can say about that is towards the end. It, it Keep in mind that Corbell, Corbell claims that this thing started going over water, stopped suddenly, descended into the water, then emerged back out of the water, departing rapidly. But here's what this Marine has to say about it. It it seemingly just continued off into the distance. And it got smaller and smaller, whether that's because uh, the the sensor was zooming out or it was moving off into the distance, but it got seemingly far enough away to where 
they couldn't see it anymore, whether it dropped into the water or it just continued over the lake because there's a lake next door of the base that we were at. Uh, but at no point in the, at, towards the end of the video did it where you could see it drop into the water and then shoot off into the sky like there had been some claims. And it, By Corbell. It didn't seem to be posturing to threaten us at all. So it, it wasn't like we needed to take immediate action against it. So it looks yeah. more like an entity to me than a craft. Well, it's very interesting. We'll get into what it could have actually been. I think it was handled in the best way possible. Like I said, it kind of just ended up being kind of like the ghost story of the base. And we were able to confirm uh, that that Marine is who uh, he says he is. As for the Pentagon, uh, we've been reaching. All right. So what's not mentioned in this video is this guy ends up coming out later and saying I think it's in that same interview that that he's uh, has there saying that uh, we believed it was a balloon. And there was a there was a I want to say a Palestinian uh, or an Israeli. Was it Israeli uh, celebration going on? Hmm. Uh, that was also like the that kind of mix match the jellyfish UFO idea, like a balloon floating. Then, like a yeah. celebratory balloon. Yes, huh. and it's it spells a language. Um, yeah, let me see if I can find an image of it. Ah, here it is. Bingo, baby. Look at that. All right, let me bring it up here real quick. All right, let me bring this up real quick. Now, look at that. Oh, wow. Okay, and tell me that does not look like yeah, that's what it could yeah, it looks be. Like the little kind of the things hanging down, like right? almost like a crown or something. Exactly. So, does this just be a language you said? It's a, well, it's, I believe what it is, is, um, let me go to the actual article here. Um, the video most likely shows balloons because it is a um oh damn it. I'm trying to remember what the the actual celebration is called. <clears throat> there is a type of celebration that is called, and I can't remember. Did you say that was Palestinian or Jewish? Iraqi, actually, Iraqi? is what okay, it says. So Iraq. Because it looks more like their language. Yeah, I know that there was... Um, I know that there is this... I'm trying to remember the name of it, but I can't find it anywhere of what the actual celebration is. I'm looking it up too. Here, let's see. Because uh, there is a celebrate. Because it's actually it's like I C D I E L. 
or something like that is the name. I, I'm really, I can't remember. Of course. But of course. Acetyl? Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. ICDL, what is that? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I'm going to do this. Iraqi celebration and try that. Yeah, I can't find the name of the actual celebration of what it is. Um, <laughs> Everything I'm finding is in Iraqi and I can't read that. I know, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I can't find the name of the actual... Um, Oh, and everything's popping up in yeah, that yeah. language, too. So I can't, even... I can't find anything that says the name. Anyways, if anybody knows the name of what this Iraqi celebration is, that's what we're trying to find. But I was trying to find it, and now I can't, I can't find the name of it, of what it was. Yeah, either way, but that's what I think, that's what I think it is. Is this whatever that is? Yeah, it looks like those letters. Yeah. Hmm. Very much so. As a I mean again, it doesn't move in any way. The extremities don't move in any way. Hence why they didn't send a squad to shoot Hence it down. Hence why they didn't exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking it is. And of course, Corbell jumped on all over this. You know, but no, and change the ending too. That's an eighty twenty split. You know, yeah, you take part yeah. of it and flip yeah. it around, make it more exactly. interesting. Exactly. Exactly. So now on to more fuckery that I believe to be fuckery is the mystery Mexican aliens <laughs> that now supposedly have three reproduction eggs inside of it. And I have a series of clips. Uh, first, c talking about some scientists that are calling fraud on this. A uh, very short clip, less than a minute, um, about them calling fraud on this. ...in Mexico put on display what they claim are two alien corpses, but not everybody's convinced. These small, allegedly mummified specimens were unveiled at Mexico's first ever UFO hearing yesterday. The alleged alien corpses were found in Peru and are said to be 700 to 1800 years old. X-rays of the aliens were also shown, and experts say one of the bodies had eggs inside it. Other science observers say many of the details given about the figures made no sense, and it would take more than X-rays to determine if something was non-human. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Get more great... Yeah, whatever. All right. So, so Mark Brown. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So, and, and look, my whole thing is this. I think it's propaganda. I think it's bullshit. But I'm not going to put that on all of you. I'm going to say make up your own mind. But here are some clips that kind of give an idea of what's being said about this. There's a lot of things that have been said. And so I thought, well, instead of just giving you my take on it, let's just go over what's been said about it. And then you can make up your own mind. But I'm going to tell you what I think. From last week. Well, these so-called alien corpses have now undergone lab testing. 
Yep, that's right. They've had a full CT scan and x-rays. The bodies were presented to Congress in Mexico last week by a self-proclaimed UFO expert named Jaime Malson. Self-proclaimed? He claimed they had been discovered in Peru in 2017 and were 1,800 years old. His presentation went viral, with many calling the bodies aliens. The so-called corpses have been tested by Jose de Jesus Salce Benitez, reportedly a military doctor and forensic expert, who says the specimens each belong to a single skeleton and have not been manipulated. But the findings have been widely disputed by scientists. Last week, a NASA scientist responded to the news and urged the men to make samples available to the world scientific community and we'll see what's there. That's exactly what should be done. Why isn't that being done? If it's true, spread that shit around, man. Why keep it? Why keep it to yourself at all? All right. So now we have alien bodies, eggs found inside. This is a long clip. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but the links are in the show notes for you all. But these are the actual Mexican, Hispanic, whatever you want to call them, doctors that are conducting these extensive laboratory tests, okay? Links are in the show notes. Check it out for yourself. It's called Alien Bodies Mexico, Eggs Found in Alien Bodies, Displayed in Mexico. It's super boring clip. All it shows is these Mexican doctors running tests. All right, so let's go on to the other clip. This is, and why is it always Fox News? Why, you know, you know what I mean? Like, why? It's just like, I don't get it. All right, so... It's because they're losing the conservative side to believe in aliens. Ah, well, see? (laughs) All right, so now we have a little bit more about this doctor's x-ray remains. Again, another take on it. Life beyond our planet? Medical experts in Mexico are doing new tests on these remains that some researchers say belong to alleged extraterrestrials. Fox's Ted Linder takes a look at the latest findings. Here we go. This lab in Mexico is the site of a series of -of out-of-this-world tests. As doctors carefully analyze the remains of two alleged non-human beings. The small, thin, gray bodies with three fingers on each hand resemble what many people consider a stereotypical alien. That's another red flag for me. Mm-hmm. Why is it a stereotypical alien? You know what I mean? Yeah, that, just that language in itself. Yeah. Like, you know? They were presented to the Mexican Congress last week by a journalist and UFO enthusiast who said the remains were discovered in Peru back in 2017. He also claims a past radiocarbon test shows the bodies are up to 1,800 years old. It's the queen of all evidence. If the DNA is showing us that they are not human beings and that there's nothing that looks like this in the world, we should take it as such. Peruvian officials previously said the objects were nothing more than man-made dolls covered with paper and glue. But now, <laughs> paper mache. new x-ray scans... <laughs> are revealing closer details about what's actually inside. In the three studies, we tried to see the structure of the skeleton of these bodies, and we were able to determine that it does indeed belong to a single skeleton that has not been joined to other pieces. The bodies don't have teeth, but researchers say one of them appears to have what could be eggs in its abdomen. Their existence has triggered controversy across the scientific community, with many people still not convinced they're real calling for more tests so why here's my argument if it's legit if these tests are conclusive then why is anybody interpreting them any other way well why was this uh, basically released now five years later yeah is it a cover-up 
Or is it a hoax? You know what I think it is? What? Really bad paper mache. Ah, me too. <laughs> me too. All right. So last one on this is Neil deGrasse Tyson giving his take. I don't like Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'll give him the same thing I gave Grush. <laughs> You're a cunt. <laughs> You're a cunt, Neil deGrasse Tyson. But either way, here he is giving his take on this. Displayed bodies of two supposed non-human beings uh, in the in Mexico in front of the Congress in Mexico. Okay, um, each with three-fingered hands and elongated heads. Now, uh, before we all mock uh, the video, right? Because <laughs> it's gotten a lot of mocking. It looks a lot like ET. But as I said, <laughs> NASA just announced for the first time a director of research on UFOs. So they are taking uh, this overall topic more seriously. What's your take on this? Well, first of all, I like what they did in Mexico. They, they had what they claimed are alien bodies, and they brought it out in front of their Congress. That is something very interesting. As he says, fuck you, Burchett. <laughs> is Burchett saying, we're not going to wheel out craft. We're not going to wheel out little green man. That's <laughs> not what this is about. That's exactly what this is about. My problem is I think Mexico is bringing up fake evidence. Yes. False evidence to support because they want to throw their hat in the ring. That's better than leaving them in a locked box. Which I agree with. And no one else can get to see them. So that's a start. But in science, a, 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 a new truth, an objective truth is only established when multiple labs can analyze whatever your claim is. When we brought rocks back from the moon, we distributed them to all the labs of the world. So everybody participated in that discussion. Exactly. They participated in the study of those rocks. Why is Mexico the only one studying these? Because they're, again, they're controlling the, the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So here, bring out samples to others and let other people, skeptical people in other labs, test and this. So either verify it or falsify it, and then we move on. What was your reaction when you saw the images? I was surprised because if they're from another planet, why do they look so human? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate to agree with Neil deGrasse Tyson, but I do. I do. Why are they so human-like? Again, all the links are in the show notes. You want to watch the whole interview. But why are they all so humanoid? Mm -hmm. Why is only Mexico studying them? Why are they not giving this out to the entire world to look through these tests? Why is this not just not thrown out there for everybody to look at? Because they know, I think the only reason is because they know that people are going to be able to refute the evidence. They're going to be able to refute the evidence. So I'm calling bullshit as I've been calling this. I've been calling this bullshit and I'm going to continue to call this bullshit. I had a great talk with uh, with uh, uh, Floyd Wills, who was supposed to be here tonight. Poor guy's not feeling great. Hope you're doing good, Floyd. Hope you're feeling better. But we had a great talk about this uh, where we discussed like what he thought and what I thought. And his argument was, but there's been all these tests on it. Mm -hmm. And my argument was only by the Mexican government. Why is it not put out to everybody? Why, is, why isn't it just uh, like like? The cunt said, you know, <laughs> why is it not put out there for everybody to analyze? Because I think that they will find it is a hoax. And that's why. Whereas you can control the people in your own government. 
You can yes. hire the people you want to say what you want them to say. That's and I think these government shills are saying the opposite. I right? think that's exactly what's going on. Very reminiscent of what's happening with the current UFO topic is you have people contracted by the government to spread disinformation, infiltrate certain groups to discredit and disorganize and spread disinformation. I think that's what's happening. Uh, and to go along that same train of this crazy fucking shit that's still going on. Why the <laughs> fuck are we not on the moon yet? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? What is going on? Apparently, <laughs> apparently the recent launch of the Vulcan Centaur rocket was initially successful, but then it faced challenges shortly after takeoff <laughs> when the Peregrine spacecraft it carried started leaking propellant. But despite all the significant advancements in space technology since the 20th century, lunar landings remain a complex and challenging endeavor. However, recent lunar missions by countries like China, India, Russia, they've all faced difficulties by with crash landings, uh, crashes and false land or fake. God damn it. Failed landings. <laughs> I think there's directed energy weapons on the moon. Oh, yeah. Knocking out anybody that comes even near it. Yeah. Anybody. You know how easy it would be? Remember that video that we showed uh, during the Lahaina Lahaina Mm -hmm. episode where we showed that drone that was being attacked by directed energy weapon? You couldn't even see anything. It just caught fire. You remember? So all you would need is something that causes a propellant link uh, leak. Mm -hmm. That's all you need. Yeah. Crazy, dude. Um, and then, the, of course, they're like, oh, there's weight constraints. <laughs> and, and you know, our our spacecraft is just, it's not mass produced. Yeah, whatever, right? <laughs> it's less predictable and it's challenging. Can't they supposedly not recreate the Saturn and, missile? And guys, the moon <laughs> lacks atmosphere. <laughs> and so it's so complex to land on the moon. However... <laughs> However, we have, oh, look at this. We have developing technology for the moon landing in 1969. Let's see what they have to say, shall we? <laughs> About how difficult it was in 1969 to go to the moon, supposedly, supposedly. Missions were being made to land men on the moon and provide them with the equipment and information they would need for survival, exploration, and return. Spacesuits were developed to shield men from the intense heat and cold of the moon and to give them an atmosphere to breathe in the lunar vacuum. Oh, but it's so challenging because the moon has no atmosphere, guys! <laughs> the vehicles were designed to land the space travelers on the moon and then get them off again. But guys, it's just so hard to land and take off again, guys. Various types. In 2024, it's just so tough. The vehicles tested means of carrying explorers across the surface of the moon. By the way, the dead noise is them just showing a wheel on the moon. Just so you're aware. Devices that simulated the gravitational attraction of the moon, only one-sixth that of Earth, 
were used to test equipment and techniques for living and working on the moon. All of this in 1969. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So now let's look at this. All right. Again, all the links are in the show notes. See it for yourself. Here is NASA losing large amounts of technology to get us to the moon. And wh- when was this, by the way? This was, I mean, it says 12 years ago, but I think it was uh, older than that. A few months, NASA's space shuttle program will take its last flight. But the ABC Action News IT team uncovered a problem at NASA happening on the ground. What do you think it could be? Investigator Michael George explains tonight. Eight, seven, six. They can put a man on the moon. One. But they can't keep track of the equipment they use to do it. That's according to NASA report. <laughs> right? Bad IT. filing. How fucking ridiculous <laughs> is this? Kennedy Space Center employees report just last year nearly half a million dollars of high-tech items simply vanished. Okay, so first of all, half a million dollars? <laughs> half a million dollars? As in $500,000 is all they lost? You mean a boot? Yeah, exactly. You mean a NASA space boot is what they lost? Come on, people. Space toilet lid. Half a million dollars. (laughs) Give me a break. Something's broke in the system. Suzanne Padone works for Inventory Management Solutions. Companies hire her to keep track of their inventory and make sure nothing falls through the cracks. Hey, you know what? We should hire her to audit the Pentagon. <laughs> we showed her what we found at NASA. It appears that there isn't really a process working year after year, and it's probably going to continually get worse. None of the lost equipment is reported to contain classified information, but it is expensive, like this one. A digital video recorder valued at one hundred thousand. <laughs> okay, so see what I'm talking about. Yeah. Five hundred thousand dollars. One camera is a hundred grand. Jesus, some nice cameras. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, it's man. Government spinning at its best, huh? Here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. One of two possibilities. Either we never went in the first place, <laughs> which I'm more and more starting to believe. I used to be. Uh, non-believer in the UFO or the lunar landing hoax. Mm-hmm. But based on what NASA is saying themselves about how all of a sudden with all this technology, we can't get there again. I don't believe that for a minute. No, no. For a minute. <laughs> I just don't understand. So, so again, I think we either never went or we did go and they don't want us back. Mm -hmm. They don't want us to go back because they're already there and they don't need people looking in space anymore. I think, I believe this idea that NASA can't get to the moon again is going to spiral into an idea that space is too dangerous to be in at all and watch as they pull another 1986 Challenger mission in which some kind of catastrophe happens and they push everything underground due to public interest, saying it's too expensive, it's too risky, we're not doing it anymore. And then guess what? They're already up there. They don't need to do shit. They cut off all the public launches. 
done. People stop looking up. Yeah, they already tried that. Remember, they tried to defund NASA anyway. I so. think that's the plan, guys. I really think that's the plan. So I don't know. Am I right? I hope so. Well, kind of. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be right about this. I really don't. But I mean, what what else could be the explanation? There's there's a base on the moon. There's a fucking base on the moon. <laughs> I believe I see a militia forming. Tinfoil. Militia. Stop, militia. The tinfoil. Militia. I joined the militia, but why would you? What do you think tap water is? It's a gay bomb, baby. Another episode down, baby. I hope you all enjoyed it. We went over a lot tonight. Yes, we, we went over a lot tonight. Started out with ancient aliens, ended up with uh, talking about abductions and genetic manipulation, and then we talked about some crazy news stuff. I mean, look, let me all know what you think. Again, we're live on Rumble every, generally every Sunday at uh, six thirty p.m. So you know, join the chat. Join our Discord. These are all things you can do. Join the community. UFONOPodcast.net is somewhere you can go to find out how to get involved and find all of our episodes. Listen, watch, all that great shit. We're on YouTube. We're on Rumble. We're everywhere. (laughs) But what we're mainly trying to do here is start a little community of people. Believers, skeptics, all of them. We just love to have great conversations. That's what it's all about. We are specifically a value for value podcast, meaning that we don't take money from advertisers because you know why? Because that is not sustainable. That's going away, people. All this idea of manscaped sponsoring <laughs> people and better help, you know, sponsoring people, uh, that's going to go away uh, very soon. I don't know if you saw this, dude, but they're shutting down Google Podcasts. Really? Yeah. You know why? Why? No advertisers. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's like the RV community. That's what's happening. Dude, I'm telling you. So they're going to start dropping all of these uh, podcast network places. I wouldn't wouldn't Mm -hmm. even be surprised if over time Spotify goes bye-bye. They're not making money off of this Mm -hmm. because more and more people are just doing this type of thing. They're like, hey, let's build a community of people that will support us instead of asking for schmucks Mm -hmm. to support us. And that's what we do. And all the different ways you can get involved, time, talent, or treasure. Time is very simple. You send us stories. You send us links to things that help us educate ourselves. Um, You know, notes about what you think about the show, commenting on the episodes. All of that is taking time. Talent is something like our great friend Casey Armadillo, who has a little merch shop. He does great uh, merch stuff. And so he reached out to me and he was like, hey, I want to help you with the merch shop. And I said, dude, build it. If people buy stuff, that's great. Give us a donation every once in a while. That's all I ask. Um, Great guy. He also supports us with the ultimate, the easiest one you can do is treasure. Just whatever this podcast means for you. you, We make you laugh. We make you cry. Hopefully not. (laughs) But hopefully we're making you think. Hopefully we're making you laugh. Whatever value you find in this podcast, turn that into a number. Throw it back our way. Again, ufonomepodcast.net is all the different ways that you can find to get involved. Um, But what we've got going on is we've got a run for Admiral. Admiral in the podcast or in the tinfoil militia. So the way to get involved in the tinfoil militia, all the ways that I mentioned easiest being treasure and we've got a running. So a thousand bucks is what gets you place of Admiral. 
right? So you can build your way there however you want. We got people that are donating a, a dollar a month and they're still on the list. But in the runnings, the top three people that are in the runnings for Admiral are Casey Armadillo at the top with 250 bucks. Nice. Uh, right underneath him, Torsten Grotique, guy, girl, not sure. Marston, <laughs> Germany, great supporter. Love your notes. Uh, 125 bucks so far. And then Carlton Turner, a little bit under that with 94. And then there's a whole bunch of people under that part of the tinfoil militia. Again, you donate, write us a note. We'll read it on the show. Uh, you get your name on the list of people that are on the run in the runnings for Admiral. And then with Admiral, what you're going to get is you're going to get a ring UFO no podcast ring. And then you're also going to get the, uh, you get to pick your name. I would be Admiral dude named Ben stoner, the LC Valley. Like I say in the beginning of the show. Um, so whatever you want to be, you want to be dude named Doug. Uh, I'm Admiral. I'm Admiral poop stick of the, uh, you know, Mediterranean ocean. I have no idea. Whatever you want to be rear Admiral. There you go. Uh, super rear. <laughs> power bottom uh anyways but whatever you want to be let us know but that's how you get involved all the different ways uh but that's what we're in this to do is to build community and uh, we want you all to get involved and uh and whatever that looks like again we we just want you to get involved uh our discord channel you can go on there all the links are in the show notes for all the different ways you could support us uh, but of course, new episodes every Sunday, 6.30 p.m. live on Rumble. We're trying to be as often as possible. Sometimes shit happens. Uh, but otherwise, uh, we're we're bringing the heat for you. We'll be That's coming right. back next week. I don't even know what we're going to talk about next week. I think trail cams, aren't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> creepy trail cams. Yes. Maybe we'll see what we'll happens. See. But either way, it'll be a good one. I can promise you that. But until then... Remember, go buy some merch. Get us on your back. <laughs> I, put the wrong, <laughs> I put the wrong button. Uh, that's funny. Uh, go buy some merch. Get involved. Call be an us. official. <laughs> yeah, call us. Call us. Email. All the links are in yeah. the show notes. Uh, be an official tinfoilist in the tinfoil militia. And of course, stay elevated. Keep your eyes in the skies and watch out for the government. They're shoisty bastards. Peace out, y'all. Bye 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 bye. Oh, my God.